Hello and welcome to the Game Pit. This is episode number 167. My name's Sean and here's Ronan. Hello everyone, you're very welcome to join us for this re-recording with a very special guest of our review of 2020 and without further ado oh no i thought we got matthew oh oh have i I mistaken that one hello (laughs) marvelous a northern (laughs) by car request i was gonna say a bunch of things i thought you know what i can't do my genuine pressure dan hughes because uh (laughs) it's been recorded (laughs) hello Proud members of the Dice Tower Network, everyone. <laughs> That's why I stopped myself. Uh, hi, Matthew. Welcome back. We haven't had you recording with us for over a year, obviously. No, sure haven't. <laughs> <laughs> New world. Moving on, Sean. What are we doing today? Well, we are going to look back at the best and worst of 2020, Rodan. So we've got our usual list of categories that i've thrown together and you've begrudgingly <laughs> come on board to and uh, hopefully we shall do the year justice but did the year do itself justice that's oh, my question pertinent words <laughs> it did the best it could it did right. the best it could <laughs> <laughs> under trying circumstances <laughs> okay so as usual we're going to go through a couple of categories of sean's making upping and then we're going to do our top three disappointments so not necessarily worst games that's about the the first of eight times someone's going to say that this is the worst game it's the biggest disappointment and then we're going to do a rundown we've each got a top 10 for you of games released in 2020 sean what are we kicking off with we are kicking off with under the radar and this is the game that you feel didn't get the push it deserved last year. And we're going to kick off with our guest. Well, I would just say this first and foremost, that one of my games that is a disappointment is a disappointment because it's rubbish. <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> right, oh, don't under- worry, I'm, I'm firmly in that category, Matthew. My, one, <laughs> my top game, or biz- biggest disappointment rather, is crap. I was disappointed at how craft the game was. Should we just just start with those ones? My under-the-radar game is Zen Garden, which was a big-box game release from Queen Games in a beautiful production. It's a really wonderful tile laying game where you're drafting tiles from a market those tiles have different resource like different attributes to them you're trying to put them into your 4x4 zen garden to match the things that the emperor wants on the board and it's got this modular scoring board you can make the game as complicated as you want because you can add as many things to the scoring board as you want it's a really great tile laying game. I honestly was like, this is going to get nominated for the Spiel des Jahres. I was, I was positive. I was like, this is exactly Spiel des Jahres kind of fodder. No one's talking about it. No one's played it. And I just think it went massively on the radar. And I, I really enjoy it. So that's it. Zen Garden. So you mentioned this the last episode. And I'm pretty sure I said, oh, I'll go and look at that, Matthew. And I never did. So sorry. Still don't know go. what it is. It's a great game. <laughs> Actually, I think it's the Queen label, doesn't it? That, that nowadays I think hangs heavy. They they're not having the best reputation, at least in the English market. Yeah, uh, with regards to publishing and the way they use Kickstarter and the fact that these games often get discounted, that there's high price tags. What you get in the box sometimes. I think their luster has somewhat faded. I'm not a big fan of, kick, of Queen's Kickstarter 
usage, I will be honest. And I tell you, I went to the Queen's booth at the UK Games Expo, picked up a game and went, <laughs> I'm not paying that, you crazy. It was uh, Cockapelli, wasn't it? Yeah, it's this new Seffenfeld game. Like 62 and I was, quid or something? 60 something quid. And I thought, no, that's a 40 pound game. I don't care who you are. That's just, there's no way. But maybe that's because in my mind, I'm like, oh, it's a queen game. It should be 25 quid. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely part of it. Just, anyway. just wait, wait to lessen and there'll be about 30 euros. That's it. Okay, yeah, so my Under the Radar is Endangered, designed by Joe Hopkins, coming from Grand Gamers Guild. It's a cooperative game where you're trying to save endangered animals in the wild and you're trying to convince the various governments to sort of back you in your endeavours. Really tense, really clever, because you're building up your, your joint tableau as you go. You've really got to sort of study what each, each person's doing. And as I said, you, you get to that sort of really tense finale i thought it was a really really strong game excellent cooperative game and i just don't hear many people talking about it yeah might hear me talking about it in a little bit but matthew doesn't like co-ops so he probably hasn't played well i like some co-ops but that's probably the reason i didn't look into this game much more than you know i was like oh yeah i can put that on the back burner i might as well go go troll ebay for some old canizia designs (laughs) Tid Saxon, 63. I'll have it, please. A grand. Actually, I think Bazaar, which I just got, was 69 at least. Or maybe it was... You might be earlier than that. You know, you got to get the classics. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. My Under the Radar 2020 is a little card game, a card drafting game, in which you draft cards in two different ways. One to put in your notebook, the other one to put into your telescope, and it is stellar. And you're trying to create groups of particular heavenly bodies within what's called your telescope area. But then also you have to collect... Uh, numbered sets of the same thing in order to score those groups well uh, it's about a, a rank of cards that's laid out it's designed by ben pinchback and matt riddle and the card you take and then play affects the other card that you play and they've reworked it not the same game but they've used a similar sort of idea in Substral, which has come out this year which we've been playing a lot the difference between the two is that stella is two player only it's got beautiful artwork it's clever it plays in under 30 minutes uh, it came from Renegade, which, you know, there's a flood of games from Renegades. They don't always get the support that they possibly deserve. And this is one I think that they could have backed and really pushed because it has everything to be a huge hit for me. So my under the radar is Stellar. They can't support Stellar when they've got so many other games to throw at the wall to see what sticks. But yeah, sounds fun. Sounds cool. I'm into it. I do think... Since you mentioned this in, in our original recording, Ronan, sorry to keep bringing it up. Um, what, what, what original recording, Sean? <laughs> oh, oh, I don't oh, even know what you're talking we about there. chatting with Matthew on a Skype call and accidentally recording it or not, as it turned out. I think this one has started to get a little bit winged because I think, as you said, Substral's come out and people yeah. are sort of going back to Stella and, and I think they're discovering it a little bit again. So I think this might be a bit of a sleeper hit and sort of coming through as the years go by. But, um, yeah, I, I really want to play it. It sounds really good. I really thought that for last year, because it's two-player only, it was the perfect time to push it because surely that's who, you know, a lot of people had only had two people to play with. So I thought they could have really got behind it and really give it a push. But hopefully it has. Hopefully it's a slow burner and it carries on going because I really think it deserves a wide audience. So speaking of games that got a push, the next ones we're going to talk about may have got 
too much of a push because we're going to talk about our 2020s most overrated games of the year and sean is going to put a pin in something right now my original thought for this one was mary poses by elizabeth hargrave ag but i've had two more thoughts <laughs> and I'm, I'm, in a row little, <laughs> i'm gonna do my own little sort of top three so mary poses is my three then came new york zoo which I just found was a, a poor man's uh, barren park. It just didn't do anything interesting at all. Nothing I'd seen before, and I just didn't get on with New York Zoo at all. But the I one... almost changed mine to New York Zoo. I didn't, but I almost did because <laughs> I just thought, huh? That oh 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 oh. <laughs> Disappointing, yeah. But the one I've gone for, and it's going to upset a few people, is Micro Macro by Pegasus uh, Johan Sick. The game is fine, but the fanfare it's getting, obviously because it won the Spiel des Jahres and things like that, I just don't think it's that good a game. As Rona said in its in his review, it's Where's Wally or Where's Waldo with a slight deduction element to it, more slightly more deduction element to it. But I just don't, yeah, it's a 6 out of 10 all day long for me. So Micro Macro is overrated in my opinion. Micro Macro will turn up later on my list. Ooh. <laughs> oh, now hold on. Which one's it going to be? <laughs> so, it didn't work with my kids. Since I did that little review of it, I've played it with younger kids who I think they're aged 8 to 12, something like that. And they enjoyed it a lot more. So, definitely what I suspected was that my kids were too old for it. Even with this younger group, I'm not sure it really held most of their attention. Like they, they did four or five cases and then they were gone. And then we were away for a week on holiday. None of them asked for it again, apart from one. So it was a hit with one person, so that's nice. The whole appeal for it, I think, is just a novelty. So I think it's okay. I think it's okay. Like, like It's going to work with certain groups. It's going to work, I think, with groups of kids that don't play many games because it's so simple and it's so intuitive because you're used to doing that sort of spotting thing so i think it's a way that gamers can play with like non-gaming kids and still have fun so i think maybe that's why it's been so popular i think you, you probably hit the nail on the head ron and what is your most overrated game this is where sean gets upset with me <laughs> it's fine it's fine. It's just bloated, and it's, it's going to be dwellings of Eldervale. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's decent. It's a small game at the end of the day. Off a little bit of area control. There's a whole lot of noise around that area control. There's a lot of things to be aware of. And at the end of the day, of all these things you're trying to keep track of, of all these rules, of all these possibilities, of all these monster moves and attacks and fights. 90% of it is just noise because only 10% of it ever comes to fruition. So there's a lot of possibility and potential that can happen in the game. But at the end of the day, I've played for 90 minutes and it, all that potential is just gone. And I'm playing a very simple little Euro game. I mean, it has some appeal, but it, for the massive, the hype for it, the, how desperate people were to get hold of it, the amount of money they're willing to pay for copies, for the size of the box, for the, everything that comes around it is just too much for me. And it is exactly what I think of, of as overrated. If it would been in a smaller box with less noise, I probably would have enjoyed it more. But I built myself up too much and I realised too much thinking about stuff that really has not going to make any difference to me. I'd rather just play my own little game here. I think this one suffers from the disappointment of misconception. You know? 
where I, you kind of go, oh, this isn't the game I thought it was going to be. I've seen your Tinder profile, so I fully understand exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, just like my Tinder profile. That's, very, <laughs> that's really, that's, that's astute. That's a good point. Yeah, just like that. I don't know how to follow that one. <laughs> right, Matthew, what was your biggest disappointment of 2020? <laughs> my biggest disappointment of 2020, other than it being over too soon, is uh, Oceans. The game Oceans, which everybody goes on about, talks about, and raves about, and I can't stand it. I don't like any of the games in that line. Evolution, Evolution 2, Evolution the other one, the, my first Evolution, the other thing, the other few that they did. I hate it. I can't stand the theme. I can't stand any of that stuff. But Oceans was meant to look, be really good, and it was different. It's like, oh, they finally cracked the code. They finally got it right. Not for me. I'm sh- I know a lot of people who have really enjoyed this, so I'm, I'm not prepared to say it's a bad game at all. But I think it's massively overrated. I just... Uh, it's just... Put a card down and try and have your fish alive so you can get food. Great. Massively overrated. In my personal opinion you love it good for you you should see my board game collection i've been getting sid saxon games recently i got focus off ebay which is a big mass market m and b anyone gonna pull matthew back from this lunacy anyone sean help help sean yeah evolutions was uh, was for me a massive disappointment i remember going to i think it was my first lesson or maybe second lesson running to get it because i, I love the theme i love the thought of it evolving your your creature and sort of attacking the other ones and eating them and and all that but it just didn't work it was it was very zero sum it was very hard to get anything going there was obvious choices and yeah whereas the theme probably did carry through the, the gameplay just wasn't there. And to be honest, I probably would have been fooled by Oceans if you hadn't hated it so much, Matthew. Because, again, I, I, I've drawn in. I thought I like the thought of, of the sort of prehistoric water creatures, ocean creatures. and uh, But, yeah, I'm glad you told me, so I will stay well clear of it. The worst thing about Oceans coming out in 2020 is that it's extended this little game I have in definitely avoiding playing any of these games again because when evolution first came out my gaming group loved it and no matter what i did i was forced to play it i don't know half dozen ten times something like that and not one of those games did i have fun in it's it's not even okay it's less than okay because i play this card right off the other three players two of you have got the counter card and one hasn't just by chance yeah just by chance because you drew it that's it you're out of the game now because I can eat all of yours. And unless you can draw a counter card, there's nothing you can do about it. It is like Uno. It's just, it's just all right. well, There's nothing I can do about that. Well, I had a winning strategy and you happen to play a card that I can't counter. But there you go. No, no, Matthew, you're right. The only reason this isn't on any of my lists is because I didn't play it because I knew and I saw it coming and I went, no. Yeah, it's rated really high. <laughs> I'm looking at it 7.7 average rating it's in the top 500 overall yeah nonsense Mm. (sighs) strange right moving on chaps to my award the one I make Ronan (laughs) take part in it's the best production stroke art or a combination of both and Ronan's up first I am and I have gone in a different direction with this one 
usually we're talking about grandiose production and amazing artwork all the way through and i i can appreciate that in games i think the level that Kickstarter has taken us to is incredible. When I look at, you know, every month, there's two or three Kickstarter games that come out that the production values are insane in. How they play, I don't know, but just looking at them is pleasing to me. But I've gone in a different way because Red Cathedral came out. Red Cathedral is a 60 to 90 minute Euro game, which has got a, a traditional feeling to it. It's a bit of a race, but it comes in a not a small box. I wanted to come up with a better word than that. It's not tiny. It's not medium. It's a small box and it's packed. And every component in there makes the game easier to play and leads you through. And once you teach Red Cathedral, you get very, very few rules questions. A, because it's a streamlined system, but B, because the production is fantastic and aids gameplay all the way through. Almost opposite to Dwellings of Eldervale, which has a very beautiful presentation, but there's so much going on around the place that you're constantly looking at cards and what's that power and what's that power and what's that door if I open that? What, what quest can I go on and what's going on over here? In Red Cathedral, it's all laid out in front of you. It packs away into a small box, and I think it's a very, very clever production, and it's the sort of production that I like to see. And in terms of the artwork, it's completely themeless, but at least the artwork kind of brings you into this idea that you are building St. Basil's Cathedral in the Kremlin. So. Red Cathedral gets my award, sort of counter to, I think, Sean's spirit of this award. I agree with what you said, and also there's not a lot of art, but what art there is there is so nice. You know what I mean? Like the I do. board, there's not that much art on it, but it's just... Oh, God, it's such a good game. It shows up later on my list, I'll tell you. Yeah, so not quite in the spirit I intended, but I... Neither's absolutely... mine, you'll hate it. <laughs> <laughs> You should just go ahead, Matthew, and let him rant about the two of us together. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. Um, I do know. I absolutely see the beauty of the design in that it's very clever. It's very sort of economic in what it does, and it sort of fits that sort of biggish game into a smaller box. So, yeah, yeah, production-wise, I see where you're coming from. I will say, Devere Games have got a couple of games coming out soon. They've got that Castle Party game, which looks really great. They've got flower i think is it is it to the games doing flower which is the new game by the designers of the red cathedral i think yeah they're doing cool stuff i'll say it you can tell he's the news man yeah yeah <laughs> it reminded me in production of do you ever play silk from devere yes it's same thing whereas it, it was very compact box and Silk wasn't as good a game as Red Cathedral, but it was a decent game. It was well worth playing. And it, it did a lot with a small amount of pieces, and they were very clear and distinctive and distinct. S- Silk was a very devious puzzle of a game, I feel it like. It certainly was. I liked Silk. It was a good it game. It was good. Yeah, I liked it as well. Okay. Matthew? My best production is Tellstones from Riot Games. Now, Tellstones was, to many people, their biggest disappointment of 2020. Because everybody ex- wanted something that they weren't releasing. And you let your, you played yourself. It, I got really frustrated with the backlash that Tellstone's got. Because everyone was <laughs> like, everyone wanted Mechs versus Minions too, And it's like, no, we're just doing a little game. And everyone was like, well, that's not what we wanted. So we're going to say this is garbage. Without, anyway, whole thing. And the word memory in the mechanisms category, right, on the Board Game Geek page, put everyone off. It's a fine little game. But the production of it is absolutely incredible. It comes in like a thick metal tin, which is really cool. And it's got like a nice mat in there and the actual pieces. 
are like really like clickety clackety plastic you know that kind of like feeling heavy weighted pieces the production of it is absolutely through the roof for the type of game it is because you could have produced this game in a little amigo or schmidt box you know with no board and just a few like cardboard tokens essentially but yeah the i think regardless of what everyone thinks of tellstones good or bad i have to give it best production of the year it's definitely a very stylish production very streamlined uh, the game didn't appeal to me in any way shape or form but i did i did appreciate the sort of the design factor that had gone into it, it does look very nice I just I had no idea what it was, but I'm just looking through the comments now, and I think one of the comments coming through again and again, Matthew, is that the, for the price of it, it's amazing bits, but it makes a very simple game a bit too pricey, and people weren't willing to pay that amount. And basically, most of the photos on the Board Game Geek uh, page are of people's homemade versions. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and I totally get that. And I think one of the problems is is that Riot Games don't release these games to the mass market. So you can't go and buy this from a store. You have to buy it from Riot Games' website. So like getting it in Britain, for instance, very difficult just because of the shipping. But yeah, so I, I totally get it. I totally get the things, but I really think... I really argue against the idea of this being the worst game ever and stuff, which just loads of people have said. But I, I totally get that. It's probably overpriced for what it was, which is so funny because Mechs versus Minions, the everyone said, wow, this is so well-priced for all yeah, this game. Yeah, underpriced for all it was. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're trying to make their money back because they're probably going broke with poor people. No, yeah, right games need to make else. a little bit of extra cash <laughs> off selling some board games, I think, yeah. Three or four grand will get them through the year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sean, I imagine you've got a top seven to make up for our uh, 15, lo-fi 15. nonsense. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> so... It was, it was quite funny last year that um, some of the best productions were actually games that were reprints. So you had Rococo. Very true. Eclipse. So I ruled those out because I suppose they're already popular games and it's very easy to say, right, here's the deluxe version of that game because you know it's going to sell. So just the art camp, I looked at Tang, Tang Garden. Now... I ruled that one out based on the iconography. It was just difficult to play the game. Absolutely stunning. Looked amazing on the table. The artwork was gorgeous, but the iconography was so small and so difficult to read. I had to rule it out on the production value. So I was left I'd have with kicked two off games. if you given that, if you gave that an award. I'd have kicked off it. I know that you would. That would have been it. <laughs> also, the box is too big. The box too big. <laughs> Thank you for that. The box, Sean. <laughs> Too big. Can we have best and worst box sizes in these categories next year? Let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, man. I've got some strong opinions. <laughs> well, nations would win the, the, the overall every year award, wouldn't it? Oh, no, from 2011. Nations, they needed to wait until Nations the Dice Game came out because you can fit Nations the Dice Game in the box of Nations. Perfect. And, yeah, and half of Poirier's clothes. <laughs> <laughs> On Mars just got beat out on this one. It's an Eagle Griffin production. They always come up with brilliant stuff. It looks absolutely gorgeous. And it has the Eero tool, graphic design and artwork as well. Always a winner. But the one I've gone for is no surprise. It's Dwellings of Eldervale. 
for everything that Ronan didn't like about it, I do like about it. It is big. It's grandiose. It's over overwrought. It's overbearing. It's beautiful. The artwork's amazing. The components are amazing. I upgraded to the legendary edition. So I've, of course I've got, you did. Of course I did. <laughs> I've got the roaring monster bases. Amazing. I don't. I might. <laughs> you don't need them in any way, shape, or form. I want them. It's such a great production. I absolutely adore it, and I, I cuddle it every night. What I find interesting is I actually know what I'm picking for this category next year, and I know what Sean's picking. <laughs> <laughs> I already know those two answers. <laughs> picking Sean's is never that difficult. Come on. He gets so excited. He'll told you all about it. He'll probably have dribbled on your shoulder while he's talking about it. He's already oh. made me unbox the thing and got it all out and shown it me. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. I, know. I think I'm, I'm, that's going to be a contender. Look at my new pretty. I want to play Dwellings of Elvedale. We almost played did the other day but there wasn't uh, the the quicker rules overview was to play Embarcadero and uh, so we played that instead and I tell you I had a great time playing it but I do want to play Dwellings of Elverdale it doesn't look like the thing kind of thing I'd like necessarily but I don't think the game plays the way the game looks I think you made the right choice for you I think you really enjoyed Embarcadero I, I, I think you're right. I don't think it does play the way it looks, Matthew. It, it is much closer to being a Euro yeah. than it is some kind of crazy dice roller. You know, it's anyway, although there are dice in it, I'll shut up. Right, so big fancy production is definitely in Sean's wheelhouse. However, the next one is the game that impressed us that was not necessarily in our wheelhouse. So a category that we wouldn't think we were going to enjoy, but somehow it turned our expectations on their head. Who's starting us off, Sean? It is Young Matthew. Hello, I'm Young Matthew. And <laughs> I don't know if we were recording when I said this, but I'm not the biggest fan of co-op games. At least so I thought. Because my Night in My Wheelhouse game is a game I played recently. It's new to the list from last time we did this. and by the, This is exact list. And uh, it's Paleo, which was, oh. I believe, won the Kennespiel this year. And I was like, Paleo and the Kennerspiel? Why didn't Lost Ruins of Arnok win it? That's the best game. Anyway. No spoilers for his top 10, by the way. Carry on. It's up there. <laughs> <laughs> I played Paleo, and I'll be honest, I wanted to play it solely on the fact that it won the, the Kennerspiel, which is something that's going to come up later on my list. And I didn't have it. The only reason I played it, and I wasn't sure I was going to like it. And in fact, I was almost positive I wasn't going to like it. And because I, I didn't like the the box was too white and too like the clinical, <laughs> and I was just like, what the heck are you doing? And it's 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 like a deck build, but I played it, and I was like, wow, that game was actually really good, and it surprised me so much. It's probably like my biggest surprise of the year, right? It's really cool because in the game, what you're doing is you've got these modules, and the modules are different cards that are going to be able to you're going to be able to put into your deck, and you're trying to achieve certain goals each round to stay alive, but also achieve certain goals to win the game and, and paint this uh, cave painting of five pieces. And you've got to overcome challenges, and there's a lot actually. There's quite a lot of card counting almost once you've played it a lot. But it's got all these. It's got like like eight or ten different modules in the game that all have different things you need to do, and comes with different cards. It's it kind of feels like if either of you ever played Friday, the Friedman Free solo card game, Robinson yes, Crusoe type card lots. game. It kind of feels like Friday, the cooperative board game in many ways. But it's obviously got lots of different things going on because you're trying to get different tools and so. 
I was really, really pleasantly surprised by this game. And cool. it, that was just a really great feeling. I thought, man, that was cool. I enjoyed that. It's not something I was expecting to like, and it's certainly not my wheelhouse. So, Paleo. Nice. Yeah, I. you know what? I, I hadn't given it a thought, really. I, I know it won the Kenner spiel, but... After Micro Macro, I kind of wrote it off myself, if I'm if I'm honest. I was like, if that won. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I do think that we do share a lot in common in when we play games, Matthew. Yeah, so I think so too. And you do say you really, really like something. I do take, uh, I sit up and take notice. So yeah, I'll, I'll I'll probably try and give this a go if I get a chance. I would say it's not on my top ten lists. It's not on my top ten, but I was really pleasantly surprised by it. To be honest, what put me off paleo was Mike Delicio going on about how much he loved it. Because every game I've got that he said that he absolutely loves, like games he says he likes, I tend to like. The ones he love, I tend to hate. I think we're on like some opposite vector there to each other. Oh, I, I'm, I'm very much aligned to Mike in his, in his likes and dislikes. See, there you go. Exactly. He's wrong a lot. That's just what I just said, just in different words. No one can argue that he's wrong a lot. <laughs> okay not in my wheelhouse is been mentioned already and it's endangered and the reason i didn't think it was in my wheelhouse is because it was although i do like cooperative games from initial impressions it was a very simple board very simple actions you're over, you've got a couple of wooden animals you know a handful of them that you're moving around the place and i really felt like it was a going to be a very simple game with a message behind it now obviously i agree with the message but it wasn't necessarily something that i thought i was going to enjoy as a gaming experience and sean went and flipped that on its head in the malvern hills as he did indeed me but that's a different story and it tends to be challenging and fully cooperative and you had to work together and yet the choosing of turn order was very important all within a very simple framework so i was very impressed with endangered this year Last time you did this list, I'll just say quickly. Last time you did this list, I was like endangered. You, yeah, I still don't want to play it. But now I've been, I played two co-ops in quick succession, which I've enjoyed. I'm like, yeah, let's, I want to try this now. Maybe I'll enjoy it. So you know, oh, do you yeah. think maybe it's not co-ops you didn't like, but the people you were playing with? Is it? Is that? Well, you'd think by that logic, I would hate solo games. But yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, Ronan, endangered it's a really good game I actually ended up getting rid of it because I didn't think anyone liked it I didn't think Nat liked it I didn't think you particularly liked yeah, it exactly I was like I don't want to play it I think I saw it on the pile of games yeah, where your front door I was like yeah, you want any of these I was thought, like no I, play it so I, up, I think Nat really enjoyed it but she got too stressed out by it because obviously it was saving tigers and she got really invested in it and she got too stressed by the whole the whole thing. So she didn't particularly <laughs> want to play it again. So I ended up I ended up trading it away or selling it. But um, I'm, I'm quite disappointed now because I could have brought it around to you and Rachel every now and again. Top three disappointments of 2020. Sean getting rid of Endangered. <laughs> my, not in my wheelhouse, before we get onto our disappointments, is a game I know I'm on safe ground with Ronan here. It's the reworking of Project Elite from Simon. As people, anyone who listens to this show will know that I really hate real-time games. I just don't get on with them. But this is one of the very few that bucks that trend. In I found it really engaging, really exciting. So what you have is you, you've got these series of missions and monsters are coming out, aliens are coming out to try and stop you doing the missions and you've all got to work together and it's all happening at the same time where you're all rolling your dice and trying to get to places and kill things and get reach mission points. 
but it just works. The AI of the monsters is really clever. Then you've got different types of monsters that do different types of things, keep you on your toes. You are communicating. Yeah, you can go off and do your own thing and you can ignore everyone else, but you really do have to listen to the room. So it's one of the very few times I've actually enjoyed a real-time strategy. And uh, Project Delete was is one of, one of those special moments in that type of genre. Bravo. Well, <laughs> I would I would love to try this with you and Nat because I think when me, Sean, and Nat play games, we want to take our turns quickly, but everyone also wants to take their turns very slowly, and it's like all that kind of dynamic is out the window because you've got no choice. You, you're going, and I think that'll be a fun experience. Is that, is that a sly dig at me? Me constantly hurrying everyone up. Yes, and then taking twenty minutes on your turn. <laughs> the main thing is, I'm I'm very polite about it, and I'm not abusive. Oh at all. yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of people think you're a very polite man until they start playing games with you. Yeah, I think My I think we frightened Mr. Hughes off. I think we, when he came down, I don't think he's coming back anytime soon. <laughs> My favourite thing to do while playing a game with Sean is when he says. Whose turn is it? And I'll just get to look at him and go, <laughs> it's your turn, and you're the one that's holding the game. <laughs> that happens quite a lot. Ah, <laughs> oh, lovely. All friends, 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 having friends, fun and relaxing. Friends, everyone. Jolly good. What's next, Sean? So we're on to one of our biggies. I think this is one probably down deep down inside is probably the one we're all going to enjoy the most. It's our biggest disappointments of 2020 and we're going to start with me i just realized i shouldn't have introduced that but never mind i'm cracking on we're going to do a top three of this one because we enjoy it so much so my number three disappointment of the year and i know i'm on very shaky ground this time with both of you it's castles of tuscany from stefan feld and alia i just didn't i just didn't get on with this at all i just uh, i didn't like the way the scoring worked in a nutshell, I just felt like, why am I not playing Castles of Burgundy? I felt I was doing very similar things to Castles of Burgundy in a slightly different, abstract way, but why would I not be playing Castles of Burgundy? Now, I know Ronan's going to come say it plays a lot quicker. In my opinion, it didn't play a lot quicker than Castles of Burgundy. So Yeah, but it did. <laughs> but it did. In my, in my house, it didn't. So I just didn't get on with this at all i found it really disappointing because what i was hoping for was castles of burgundy 2 and i didn't get that so maybe i'm the victim of my own expectations somewhat but i just didn't get on with castles of burgundy castles of tuscany at all this is a sean problem not a <laughs> steffenfeld game problem i don't know i did if it wasn't called castle of tuscany i think you'd have liked it well i think you'd have been like it's fine it's cool it's decent it's a combo builder it's quite fun you flip this you flip that you do it you put it together and you try and fill up your areas and you get a special bonus power and it's it all works nicely it's a nice game your biggest problem is just that it's got the castles off as the last three it is that's the thing is you kind of get these things in your head and it's definitely we're all full victim to it a game doesn't have to be bad for you to not enjoy it it just doesn't have to meet the expectations you put on it and i feel like that's probably part and parcel of why you didn't enjoy it as much i mean also you're wrong because it's fantastic and definitely shows up <laughs> later on my list but i absolutely i thought it was absolutely wonderful and it's so combo tastic and i really thought it was a fun experience don't get me wrong though 95 percent of the time i would I mean, with all games, I'd rather be playing the Castles of Burgundy because it's one of my favourite games of all time, like top five game. But 
I thought it was really good as well. I did. I really thought Castle Tuscany was a lot of fun. I thought even if he called it the Towers of Tuscany, it would have been like, oh, it's slightly related to Castle That would have been a better idea, actually. That's actually a really smart idea, yeah. Just that one name change, you know? Is this all about, think, you know, what, again, ha- handling your customers' expectations. That little thing where it's adjacent but not the same, you know? And I think, actually, they did that. I just mentioned Stella and Subastral. I mean, those two words are related, but they don't make you think, oh, it's going to be the same game. And it's not the same game, but they are related in a similar way that Burgundy and Tuscany are. So I think it was a misstep in, in naming it, but there you go. Cool. Ronan, your third biggest disappointment. My third biggest disappointment of 2020 was Nevada City from Rio Grande Games. It's set in the Old West and you're running a little farmstead and there's a town to go into and you've got a certain number of family members and you can get more workers and you send them off to do tasks and mine and it's got resources that that change value up and down and it's got different places you can go to and you can take control of different uh, shops and stuff within the city and it is incredibly long. It is plagued with events that change things all over and when you play with two players, you run out of things to do before the final round. You literally, the game finishes and then you've got a whole round to go. Of, but there's nothing we can do here. What are you talking about? Things have run out in the game. That just suggests terrible, terrible playtesting and quality control. It's got the bones and the potential for a good game. It just has not been developed whatsoever. And it was Two and a half, two player game, two and a half hours, and Rachel and I play quickly usually, of tedium. And this was just a big, big miss. I thought I was going to get one of those like secret these euros that you know, oh, I've I've got this and no one else has. Or I'll teach a few people, they'll all get excited, they'll buy it, and it'll be one of them. And it just wasn't. I just this has got to go. It was really bad all round. And, and Rio Grande Games are a funny publisher that they seem to have had a dip recently, but now very recently, slightly coming out of it and. and producing a couple of better games but this is definitely at the tail end of their dip and uh, not impressed with Rio Grande uh, sorry with Nevada City but all it's so equally with Rio Grande games I wanted to like this I, it's right on my street thematically and I thought yeah that's going to be great but you saying that's put me off big time because I'm probably going to play this two player but or three player I get the sense that this game needed a real good development session on it you know what I mean just to cut some of the fat and bulk a few other pieces up i would also say rio grande are such a weird company that kind of ride the train of we release friedman freeze games and then some other games i mean dice realms is coming out at 100 and what is it 150 quid or something and uh that's going to be an interesting thing beyond the sun i would love to get a copy of that but where and how and no one has it and no one talks about they are so strange. They are a company stuck in the past who think it's 2002 and can just release anything that Rio Grande sticks its name on and uh, do well without promoting it. Sorry, I have a bit of a thing. I, I do. I have a bit of a problem with Rio Grande games. They think they're too good to fail, and I think that is starting to fail them a little bit. I agree with you, and yet they've, they grabbed the English language rights to Praga Kaput Regni, Mm-hmm. and they released Beyond the Sun. So 2020 was actually a decent year for them. And you look at some of their 2021 releases, there's buzz around them. You know, it's a very strange company. It's weird, because the thing is as well, though, any time that there's a big box Freeman Freeze game, I, I, I always want to try it. Absolutely. 
But yeah, Nevada City just looks so cool to me because it's right up my alley, right, with the theme. First up, Matthew, I, I own Beyond the Sun, so you're more than welcome to come and Do play. you really? I do. I'll bring that down. Okay, next. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so, yeah, just about um, Nevada City, Ronan, I really, I still really want to play it, funnily enough. I just want to You see. don't. Sean, you don't. You don't. Trust me, you don't. Uh, but, um... You go on the BGG forums for it, and there's so many complaints about the components and about the gameplay. So, yeah, as, as Matthew said, I think it just needed that little bit of playtesting. And you, you kind of wonder how much they actually do, because I'd imagine the Freedom and Freezer game comes pretty much ready to go, and I don't imagine they challenge it too much. So, Oh, no, they've just got publishing rights to those. He does all that himself and publishes it as 2F. They oh, don't of course have, he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They don't yeah. any part of that. I just I don't feel like they love themselves enough and therefore they don't love their games enough. I think they just need to have a bit of self-care. That's that's my thoughts. They need to enter the current year. That's what they need to do as a company. <laughs> <laughs> right, Matthew, your, your third choice for biggest disappointment. My third biggest disappointment of the year is Trois Dice, which is the dice game version of the absolutely incredible dice game, Trois, which is a really, really wonderful game. And this was something I was very excited about because I'm not a big fan of Roland Wrights particularly. There are certainly a couple that I like. Uh, one that's like uh, Demeter from this year, from last year or this year, which is a really, really fun one. There's a couple of others I really enjoy. Uh, you're so hip and cutting edge. That's not even out yet. Never mind last year. <laughs> is it? <laughs> it's just coming out, like just now. <laughs> we did, to be fair, we did see it at uh, UK GE. And... So, so bleeding edge. Was that last year? Was it the year before? I'm not that I have seen edge. the future. You should see the last few games I've just bought. I mean, none of them were released with the, the first number being two. Maybe and you should get into this year of publishing, mate. <laughs> I think I'd be really good at doing a restoration games type publisher because I could. Anyway, that's not the point. Twilight Dice game, it's just not fun. That's the problem with it. It looks cool, it looks wonderful. It's just, to me, I didn't particularly think it was that fun because you're drafting dice, doing this thing, and you're trying to get different buildings and do combos and stuff, but uh, it just wasn't fun to me and that was disappointing i can't yeah i can't put it much more simple than that yeah so you i'm gonna upset you a little bit here matthew i recently played Twa, the original and i absolutely hated it oh, okay um, i just found it to be it just felt really really dated i just felt that you were you were kind of doing the same thing over and over again it's mean as well which is is difficult because you get to use other people's dice and that's I, that wasn't so much of a problem. Like, yeah, well, fair enough. It's just part of the game. When you have to do something to be successful in the game, then yeah. I don't think that's mean. I think you just have to do it. It felt a product of its time. I feel like there's better worker placement games with dice and dice manipulation games out there now. So I maybe gone past where that would have been enjoyable to me. So. Uh, if I'd have played it earlier, maybe that, that bit on the mm-hmm. star- nostalgia would have kicked in, and I'd have liked it more. But yeah, I didn't get on with it at all. So I'm I'm staying well away from Twa the dice game. Uh, a solitaire rolling right. You're okay. That's never going to be a disappointment for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think the part of the thing around this was that it was on BGA quite quickly, and it has a solo version. Because having looked through the comments, there's quite a few people saying, play it so on BGA and I enjoyed it. Well, that's cool because you didn't have many other options. That doesn't make it a good game. 
There you go. Ronan, your second most disappointing game. Now, in the recording that never happened, we had quite a long argument about my number two. I'm already ready. I'm ready for it. (laughs) So I wonder how how long this is going to go. But my number two disappointment was Halatau. Okay, I don't know whether I should just let them start talking now. <laughs> I found out that you're wrong. To be. <laughs> Fair enough. I That's found... your choice, and uh, <laughs> you make it with the conviction. You stand by this conviction because you will be judged by it. <laughs> I found it to be far, far too dependent. Much the same as Matthew was saying about oceans. Don't on... bring me into this. <laughs> when Matthew was supporting my choice, was a. Uh, was it on card draw? And you've got far, yeah. far too many resources to manage. Okay, there's, there's all these resources going on, and you're going to get some cards that give you combos. In, in effect, they're going to be trading five of these to get seven of them, and then seven of those to get 11 of them, and 11 of those to score 15 points. All well and good if you get the ones that chain together. So I can, I can make these five, and I can turn them into that seven, into that, and my cards all work together. That's great, and then it becomes fun, and you're like, right, I'll produce these five. I know what I'm doing, and I've got I've got a strategy here. When it's none of these cards work together, I don't have any bonuses on the production, which is the start of these cards that are going to lead to scoring, and I'm fighting tooth and nail to get an extra three of something when the other person over there just puts down a card and it gives them four of the thing I've been fighting to get, and then they just trigger off on a chain of cards. And I could never do that just on card draw. I'm just why? Why am I fighting against this? That I don't. I imagine just sit here and just draw as many cards as I can, and then see if I can. No, the cards haven't worked out. Never mind. You lot carry on playing for an hour and a half. I'm going to go and have a cup of coffee and watch TV because I've got no chance. The second part of it is the scoring system is, to me, dumb. You, you're limited on like a free you've got to move these buildings along you're limited on one free move each turn these rocks that are in the way and one row a column of rocks moves along and so they, we can build into it if you wish to do more than that you have to move rocks along it feels very false to me it feels like a false way to limit the economy because you can get crazy card combos you can end up with 400 of, of these resources that you need to move along these buildings and in order to say oh our Christ right we can't let them spend all 400 at once because they'll smash that all the way to the end they've thrown in this really awkward system of these rocks moving along wamp around wamp around wamp around oh you have to spend work in order to move them along further along furthermore on top of that if you make a good start you're going to have more workers and therefore because when you move the buildings you get more people therefore you're going to have more opportunities so if you get a good combo of cards at the beginning of the game and then you're able to move along and you get a few more workers you're ahead and it's not through good play. It's through I managed to get some cards that work together and yours don't. And the whole thing just ended up being completely tedious for me and too much going on. And I don't care about 14 different resources, whether I've got six of that or four of them or three of the other. It's just, it is work, but it's not fun. Now I'm thinking me and Sean should play Nevada City because if you could be wrong <laughs> about Halatow, then see, no, see, I will say see, this. Matthew, see what I've got to deal with. <laughs> it's unfathomable. The thing I will say this. I do. I do agree in some way that I can see what you're saying. Like the scoring system is a bit contrived, and I also agree that the game is perhaps wider than it needs to be with all the resources. And I, I do get that. I played a game of Wingspan the other day, which is a great game. And the other game that this 
the example is for is viticulture. And they happen to both be Stonemaier games. I have a house rule with viticulture that whenever someone draws a card, they get to draw two cards and then pick one. And I think Halatau could probably do with having that house rule in it, just so you can go, well, at least I've got the option. I can pick two things and then pick the one that's better for me. That will help soften the punishment that the card draw can give because there is definitely punishment in card draw because Wingspan that I played, I think I won that game because I drew better cards at the very start of the game. I think that's why I won. I had a better hand of cards to start with which set my engine in motion in round one. And that didn't feel good to win because I was like, I think I just got lucky. I think we played pretty much the same skill level. I think I just got lucky. And again, just to be clear, I love Wingspan and Viticulture is in my top two games of all time. But I do think sometimes when a, when a game can really punish you from card draw, I think the house rule of, you know, in Viticulture, it's draw a blue card and draw a yellow card. Well, I always say you can choose one of those cards to draw two of. So always draw an extra card. And that's a house rule I will always play with Viticulture because you can be absolutely screwed by the cards. You really can. And I think Halito probably suffers from that. And I, I can understand the idea of it being a bit too wide to enjoy with all the resources and stuff, but I kind of like that. And I think it's fun and it gives you lots of options. But I take your point on board. I'm not going to be quite as combative this time. Because <laughs> I'll leave Just that for the sake of us short. not being here for three hours. <laughs> on, on Wingspan, though... I don't mind because I'm there for 45 minutes. It's very, very true. I, I totally see that point. In Wingspan, it's like cool because once if you're playing Wingspan, two or three players with a bunch of people, you can play that in in 45 minutes, right? And it's yeah. it's, it's good and done. So I, I do and I'm not well. I'm not working hard in Wingspan. I, I having fun. I'm playing cards. It's all cool. I'm just, but I'm not work in Halatel. I'm working hard and getting crapped on by the cards. That's the combo that I can see. Sure. I can see your point. I can't. I can't argue as as much as probably I did last time because I've since got rid of Halatau, so it's not in my collection. Anymore. <laughs> I still think it's a very good game, but it was just too similar to uh, a lot of other Rosenberg games, and I already own the better versions or the better games. I just didn't have a place for it. I have to be. I have to start being a bit brutal with my my collection yeah. and, and getting rid of things. So I felt like I had that game in a better version. So why not get rid of it? But Halatau, yeah. I know, I know the cards can hose you a little bit, but with the resources, you don't have to concentrate on, on, on them all. You just need certain ones to be able to progress uh, your sort of clubhouse or the main town house that moves along. You just got to be mindful of them. You can always plant things for the vegetables. There's a really good system on the board that tells you how much you've got of each, and you haven't got just loads and loads of stuff stacked around. The cards. I think initially kind of drive the way you're going to play the game. So you see what you've got and okay, well, I, I'm going to go down that path. Now it doesn't, if it doesn't match out, then you can always adapt in, in, in mid game because you always want certain types of resources. You always need them. So if you, okay, so I was going very hard for this resource. Oh, but now wool is the one that's presenting itself to me. Right. I'm going to adapt. I'm going to change. Because there's so many options. It gives you the chance to turn those into something else. Yeah. Each thing that you have to move along to move the house along to score the points, there's multiple like different resources within that. And the base ones are always quite easy to get. Yeah, I agree with Matthew. Maybe uh, having picking up two cards at once would, would help. And there is times when you just feel, you know what, I didn't get the cards that time. But I think a good play of Halatau will 
will reap you good rewards, regardless of the, the way the cards come out. Not going to argue as stringently as last time, but I do think it's a good game. Can I ask a question of both of you? Have you either of you played At the Gates of Loyang? I hate it. Ronan loves it. Because I think that game is absolutely incredible, right? That's probably my favourite big box game from Uwe Rosenberg. Because that doesn't have the same issue with cards because there's the market of cards you're buying from. And I think maybe that... I think that's probably a better system, right? So anyway, that's just a, that just made me think of that. Yeah, I always felt a little bit aggrieved by the customers in that one. So I suppose it's the same problem, but in a different format. I've always felt like if you get the right customers at the right time, uh, come out to match what you've got, you're kind of in a, that's in a better position. But anyway, move, <laughs> moving on. So, uh, Matthew, what's your second biggest disappointment? I'm not going to belabor this too much, but Sorcerer City is a game of fun, frantic city building in these one-minute rounds of building your city. And then you have 15 minutes of admin between each part of the game, which is admin, so you can do another one-minute round of fun, followed by 15 minutes of admin, followed by one minute of fun! Followed by 15 <laughs> minutes of admin. It's just the, all the fun in Sorcerer City is in building your city. It's so fun to have to build your city as quick as possible to try and get all the things next to each other to do everything. It's, 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 it's really fun. I love that part of it. But it suffers from the fact that then you've got to, everyone does a market phase and it wants you to play it in lots of players. So if you're playing it with five or six people, Everyone has to do a market phase, and we have to. Everyone has to say who's got the most of this, and they get certain points. And it's just someone over the other side of the table is asking, "What does this cost?" Because it's also a massive, massive table hog. It's a huge table. We, you know, we couldn't play it three player at Sean's house, right? And it just suffers from overproduction because the box is vast. It suffers from overproduction, it really does. Which I think is probably the only good thing that's going to come out of this shipping crisis is people are going to try and make smaller games. And it just suffers from it only being one minute... And, and don't get me wrong, the actual gameplay bit of the game, really fun. But I want a game that comes in a Red Cathedral-sized box where you're doing one-minute building rounds and have a lot of fun doing that, and then do that again. And then do that again three times and you're done. And this is just a bloated game that has a couple, a really good fun bit, followed by just way too much admin. If I was ever going to play this again, because I've said this to Paula, uh, Paula Deming, and she's like, she loves it. She thinks it's a really good game. But then she also said she would never play it more than three players ever again, I think. I don't want to put words in her mouth. Maybe she <laughs> would. But I feel like I was ever going to play this game again. I would only ever play two players, maybe three players. I can't say that Paula said that because I know that she really likes the game. So did you say it was a real-time strategy? The bit this, the city building, you've got a stack of cart tiles, and you're and in that kind of admin stage. There's a buying stage from the market. You buy more cut more tiles into your city, and there's going to be like monsters coming up, which are going to tell you how you've got to kind of build your city as well. Kind of stipulations that come up, and it's all very fun, but. The problem is, is that you can't see what's on the bloody monster card from 16 foot away at the other <laughs> side of the table. That's and it does suffer from that because it's real time. You got a certain amount of time to build. You and yeah, and you're frantically building your city out, which gets harder and harder each round because your stack of tiles is getting bigger and bigger each round. But that and that bit is a lot of fun. But 
that's the bit that, that doesn't appeal to me because obviously exactly. I've said I don't I don't like real time strategy. So that's I think that's what the one that put me off this. And then I started hearing bad things about it. So I'm kind of glad I didn't play it to be honest. I do think a two player it would sing because it would just hum along. It would go quite nicely. That and the, that admin phase is not going to take a long time. But I think they put too many player the number too big on the box. Too many players. They'd have cut it down to a four player game. The box could be a regular ticket to size side box, and the gameplay would take would be much quicker. I think they've done themselves a disservice. We treasure hunted it and both trapped it. But firstly, because the look of it, and secondly, because the rule book was a bit confusing, and it was a bit like, oh, there's a lot going on here for, for the sake of one, get, like you saying, one minute's play. And I think we talked about it before that from the photos I've seen of it, it looked like it was going to be like trying to see glean what was going on. Even your own board, there was too many colours, and it was too difficult to work out. But you told me that that's not true. When you play it, it's very. I'm not going to say streamlined because the game is not streamlined, but the actual gameplay of it is simple to understand. It's not hectic. It's actually it's very well produced. The colours on the tiles, I can see from a from a bird's eye view, it's going to look like an absolute mess. But when you've got your little stack of card tiles and you're building it, very simple to play. It really isn't because it has to be the actual gameplay, but it has to be slick because you've got to do it as fast as, as fast as you can. So there's okay, so. I, I was wrong at the beginning of the show. I said my, my number one disappointment is uh, is a crap game. No, it's not. It's actually my number two. Because I've gone with the letter of the law. My number one is my biggest disappointment. But this is possibly the worst game I've played. Given you write the law, I feel like you probably should go with I the probably should. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stick to my own rules. Yeah, Roman Roll is utter, utter crap. Just a, <laughs> just a poor game. Absolute rubbish. So... You start off from, from from the actual just mechanics of picking up your dice and writing it on the board. And you're writing it on the board with everybody else. And you're trying to get the squares exactly right. And you're right next to each other. And then you've got to write letters on to, to differentiate what each thing is. It just turns out, unless you're all flipping calligraphers, it turns out just an absolute mess on, on this dry white board. And it just looks like some toddlers have gone crazy with some crayons. Every die is pretty much the same. There's never an exciting choice. There, there's all the same results come up on everything, and it's just never an exciting choice. You're you're, you're playing your own game to to a large degree, then you're interacting by writing on this poxy board, and it's just boring. It's one of the, it's the only game this year that I've said halfway through the game, shall we pack it up? Because I just don't. I'm not, nobody was having any fun. And this was again at the Mulverns when we visited Ronan and Rachel. And Rachel's got this thing about she has to finish a game. She doesn't like to abandon things halfway through, which is fair enough. But uh, So she's like, no, no, I really want to finish it. But we were just miserable playing this. It's just such a bad In game. fairness, we weren't miserable because once we realised we all hated it, it became quite funny. <laughs> okay, we were, we were, I, I was miserable because I brought it down and I had the <laughs> guilt and the shame of, of bringing it down to play. Yeah, I just think it's a poor, poor game. And uh, yeah, Roman Roll, definitely. I'll throw a couple of things on top of there for you. Go on then. Uh, half the ways of scoring points run out before you know, three quarters of the game has gone. So the game space completely narrows down towards the end because you can't do certain things in the game. So certain choices become completely null. There are God powers that turn what was supposed to be a tight game on its head. People just grab them, keep hold of them and use them when you've forgotten they've got them. And you're like, oh, it feels like a complete Deus Ex Machina when they do that. It was not at all fun in here. It wasn't my type of game anyway. This whole idea of rolling dice to then do something more strategic 
Well, as you said, they've had to mitigate the dice results so much because otherwise it was just too much of a randomness input. That that bit became dull. There was no aspect of the game that was fun. The scoring wasn't fun, the mechanism wasn't fun, and the actual play of it wasn't fun. I didn't hate it as much as you hated it, hence it didn't get in my bottom three, but also I had zero expectations of it, so it wouldn't have yeah. fit in here because a heavier roll and write. Uh, just look at it, I mean, Adrian's Wall is the one I'm holding out of. I haven't played it yet. I'm holding on that that is going to turn my head I, a bit. I was gonna, I was gonna say, if, just don't don't bother with this and go straight to Hadrian's Wall. It's not technically a roll and write, but it's a really strong game, and it's way better than this. I feel like every aspect of Roman roll that lets the game down is what they did and changed and finagled to make it a roll and write game. They really forced it into being a roll and write game and they probably shouldn't have been because you know that board in the middle would be way better if you could just place tiles down yeah polyominoes completely a polyomino of your color there's no reason for that to be drawing there's it doesn't add or change anything to the game they could have just been polyomino tiles that would have made it streamlined quicker to do clear to understand you put your thing down you put your own colored pawn on top of it or a little uh, chit to say you know who owns the building or whatever that'll make it a lot better and i do see that the dice has four different options on it on this one side you know and that doesn't feel like you're actually point i'd, I'd rather it had just been a an action selection yeah table like in something like to Cal, where you get 10 points worth of actions, you can do 10 points worth of actions, this is the cost of all the actions, do your actions. And I think that would have probably improved it over it being rolling dice. I just think, I think everywhere where this game lets itself down is the fact that they made it into a rolling right game, really. So I concur. Cool, right, let's get crack on into the uh, first place. Matthew, your first place, biggest disappointment. Alright, my biggest disappointment of the year is a game that became the biggest disappointment by the year by the sheer fact that it won the Spiel des Jahres. And I expect great things from the Spiel des Jahres because we've had so many incredible games come from it. And I don't think Micro Macro Crime City is one of them. I don't think it's necessarily a bad game at all. I don't think it's a Spiel des Jahres winner. And I understand all these different parts of it, that the Spiel has changed slightly. Now there's a Kenner Spiel and stuff. And I know that it's it's not actually the kids game of the year or the, the entryway game of the year. It's, it's the mass market game. And I totally understand why it won and how it's changed over the years. Because I will hunt down an old Spiel des Jahres title and I end up with Dominion. Or something like that. It's like wicked, fantastic. Or all the amazing games that have won. But for me, Micro Macro Crime City is firstly, it's an activity, not a game. It really does feel like that to me. It's not for me, and I don't think it's meant to be for me. And I appreciate that. But it's a disappointment list. This is my biggest disappointment to the game. And I totally appreciate. 100% is on me. It's not on Micro Macro Crime City. It's not on the Spiel des Jahres judges or anything like that. It's on me and what I want from a game. And maybe I'm more disappointed that it won than I am that it's not really a game that's for me. But it's Where's Wally on a giant map that most adults can't play because they can't see 
anything. The map is way too... It's just... I don't... Maybe Ooh. I'm... No, it's not meant for, I, it's not meant for me and Help I totally Sean. get that Help I just, <laughs> he's breaking I just yes. we, we, we get it darling we get I it. don't understand calm what, down dear we're here for you Matthew it's okay <laughs> it just doesn't no aspect of that game looks fun there are no me. raccoons coming to kill you today it's okay don't worry but there are a bunch of squirrels I'm trying not to be I'm trying not to I don't want to like crap on anyone's good time right and and i know lots of people have enjoyed it and i need to make sure that i'm clear in saying that i know that the spiel has changed i know that this game isn't marketed to me and just because it won it doesn't mean that i it, it deserves to win because i wanted to win i i totally i get all that but so the message is matthew g from what's it plays thinks that this is an awful game and no one should play it thank you it's a game that I certainly <laughs> don't want to I'm moving. to. Um, I've already spoken about it. Yeah, it's. I think it's overrated and it could quite have easily been on my disappointment list. But it is, I would say, the reason it's number one is because it won the spiel. That's why it's That's why it's the biggest disappointment for me. It's that's. Yeah, I expect I it. It utter greatness from list, those games. Yeah. I expect absolutely nothing from the spiel and the game. <laughs> <laughs> the the uh, bill. I those don't even they barely register to me anymore. I have to tell you because yeah. they're too long of just being like what what is that? What's that? Definitely the spiel because it's just not aimed at me. So wherever no. they choose, and they're definitely rewarding innovation as they see it. And to turn where's Wally into a, a group activity properly is innovative or at least it's a clever idea i don't think innovation is quite the right term but whether that's a mistranslation or something i don't know perhaps novelty would be a better term for us to say it's a novelty they've come up with it's different we haven't seen it before lots of people can play it that's what the spiel has turned into they're looking for different corners of the market and they said the judges said they are leaning towards cooperative games because cooperative games are a better family experience where no one ends up feeling stupid literally that's what they said it's like so so it rewards the players and i get that but i look last year as 2019 right was just one won it and i noticeably just didn't like that game but the year before azul won and azul is a I don't know. I just feel like it's there's been a big shift in the last few years. <sighs> oh, it definitely has. Since they brought in Kenner, they they, they now use the Spieljahres completely differently. You cannot compare these winners to the previous years. Winners no, you can't. They were yeah, you being really judged can't. under completely different criteria. So these these guys are crapping over it. It's it's decent. It's a fun activity. It will kill some hours. Use it to entertain some younger kids, and they'll enjoy it for a while. That's what it is. But it's not Carcassonne or Alhambra or Zulareto or Celtis or Quirkle no. or Kingdom Builder or Hanabi or well, it might be Celtis. It might be Celtis. It's not Celtis. <laughs> really brilliant. I love it. Right, moving on. My biggest disappointment of the year, because I had such, again, I had such high hopes. My Probably my favourite designer came out with it from Pegasus Spieler. It's Bonfire. And... It just turned out to be a bit of a confusing nothing was bonfire. Breaking news. Sean hates Stefan Feld. <laughs> it was just, it was a weird theme. The The mechanisms just were a bit contrived and a bit sort of too much and there's too much fiddliness about it. 
it wasn't that I didn't even get it because I think I, I'm not not blowing my own trumpet here, but I think I won every single game I played of it. So I obviously grokked how to win the game, but I just didn't. It didn't feel comfortable. I just didn't like the journey that I was taking to go and win the game. And it, as I said, very fiddly, very odd, and I just didn't enjoy any of my games of Bonfire, unfortunately, because again, it was definitely a Stefan Feld game, but just not one of his best. It was okay. It was overly contrived. There's a bit too much to think about. There were too many moving parts for my taste. I'd rather it was a bit more streamlined and it was quite a bit clearer about how I was trying to win. But like, you, know, you had to jump through 80 steps to get anywhere. But it, it was fine. I thought it was actually a good game. Definitely not as down as you were. I love Stefan Feld, but I think his midway Euros are incredible. When he goes that bit heavier, sometimes it's a bit, I don't know, maybe not 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 where he shines quite as brightly. I think this is what Bonfire suffers from a little bit. When he goes heavier, he, he multiplies everything. Rather than sort of keeping on this idea of this four or five streams to this design here, and I'm going to make them a bit more intricate or a bit more you know he he goes well if i'm making a heavier one i need to throw in twice as many so now there's 10 streams to this game well to me that's not making the game heavier it's making it fiddlier yeah. and so that's where it pulls back for me on i'd much rather he stuck to and that's the that's the complaint that people have from bonfire right is that it's fiddlier not necessarily that it's particularly massively heavy comparative to a lot of board games out there i, I, I think that. he forgets the fun like things like a merry-go and even aquasphere which is a little bit deeper they're fun. They they're thinky, and you're, you're agonising over every choice. But they're actually Trajan, fun to play. It's got play. so many stuff. It's got exactly. so many Trajan, things to go. Again, but Trajan is just immensely incredible. But they're it fun. Really is. They're fun to play. So, and uh, this one just, I think he just forgot to put the fun in. He forgot to put the fun in Trajan. You're right. You're right. You're <laughs> right about that. Okay. Get out. Get out My biggest disappointment. Get out. <laughs> My biggest disappointment of 2020 is Curious Cargo which is from Capstone Games. It's the two-player uh, adaptation, if you like, of Pipeline. And in it, you start with your own board, and it's got two machines in it with pipes coming out of them, and you're going to draw tiles, and they are very higgledy-piggledy, and they've got two different colour pipes on them, and you're trying to connect the machines to either output ports on the left side of your board or input ports on the right-hand side of your board. And once you've connected the machine to the outputs, you then can draft trucks, which spatially move along, depending on how long the truck is, and some of the block spaces and what have you. And then um, if, if an empty space of a truck is next to an output, it collects a good virtually and then when you push more trucks along those output trucks will go and join the input side of your opponent's board and if the trucks where the resources are line up with the correct color of pipe on the input side then your opponent will collect it and you'll both get bonuses for doing that and it's horrible it is uh, unnecessarily difficult in every single way the design of the pipe tiles themselves is absolutely unnecessarily difficult and you can only have a handful at a time. You're not drafting from a load. You're literally dealing with two or three at a time. So you're not necessarily choosing where your ports are going to be because you just have to go with what the tiles come out as. And you can overbuild and stuff, which lets you break down the puzzle a bit. But it's a hard puzzle just to connect point A to point B is actually very, very difficult. That's how obtuse the design of the pipes are. From there, the trucks you're drafting from and the, and the size of trucks is hugely limited. 
So even then, when you push a truck on it, it's almost, not quite, it's almost potluck that you're going to get a good drop on in the right places in the truck. So you can plan for that tiny bit. But then when it pushes through to the to the input of your opponents, who knows if they're going to pick them up or not? When I am designing my inputs, I don't know what they're going to give me. I don't know what they're going to draft. I don't know where the goods are going to be. I don't know if that's in the right place or not. And it's just incredibly frustrating. And everything you're doing is tiny. You have a couple of tiles and a couple of trucks and tiny. So there's a huge decision space. There's loads going on. There's a massive amount of random input in terms of where the trucks are. But you've only got very limited choices to choose from. And it's frustrating. And it's it's you can't do anything for about two-thirds of the game because you haven't built up a network. So you're just trying to build this network up and building it up and building it up and building it up. And then more or less, you just run random trucks through it and hope that you grab more stuff. Now, not only is that all that, but the rule book is absolutely shocking. It starts talking about things that have never been explained. It never tells you how the game works. Genuinely doesn't tell you. These are the machines. These are the outputs. This is where you've got to go. You have to try and glean all that. The scoring system is ridiculous. The... The graphic design of the sort of board that tells you what's going on and how you get rewards and how the game even ends is confusing. And then how the scoring is at the end of it is it, the whole thing just smacks of underdeveloped and snobbery. And uh, well, we can work out how this works. It's a really deep game, actually. Yeah, you've just got to kind of work it out, guys. You're just not smart enough. No, I am smart enough. I just don't want to bother because it's too much effort. The game is supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be proving how clever you are. You can get over all these far too many obstacles to actually play in it. It is a box of obstacles with all the fun left out. Curious Cargo, not only my number one disappointment, a terrible, terrible game. And I truly believe, and I read the comments and look at the ratings of BGG, that this has only got its high rate, 7.4 average rating, due to people sort of feeling like they should get the game because i'm looking at sevens and eights saying oh i didn't enjoy it but i can see it's a good game oh it wasn't for me but i'm giving it an eight because it is clearly very clever no mate if you didn't enjoy it give it a three but don't don't bow to snobbery this is not a good game anyway i'm done i've not played this one so i don't have a comment on it i know very little about it but i tell you i'm not sold (laughs) (laughs) because normally to play a game like that oh i'm interested as soon as I heard it was Pipeline, I was like, out. Pipeline's probably the, the game that created the most buzz in, in the gaming community that I just had the least interest at all because it's just, it's root building. And root building isn't my strong point, as Ronan will tell you. <laughs> You're not that bad at it. You, you uh, put yourself down there. You're actually quite uh, good at root building. I don't think I am. I don't think I am, and I don't particularly enjoy it either. So, But yeah, Pipeline, no. I just didn't fancy it at all. And when you tell me there's a two player version of Pipeline there, Eh, eh, not for me. So shall we crack on? Right, I'm going to kick things off with my number 10. And my number 10 is Whistle Mountain from Scott Caputo and Luke Laurie, who Luke Laurie made a bit of a hit in uh, 2020 and certainly made his name with a couple of games. They're coming from Bezier Games. It's an ever-changing landscape where the, you're working your way up the mountain with different worker placement spots that you're, you're adding to it, but there's the water's always rising as well. And it's kind of like a dam situation going on. The water's rising, rising, and when the 
worker placement areas that you've placed go underwater they're no longer available to you so you're constantly adapting constantly working to bring new things in to suit your your style of play and what you're going for and maybe not help the other players as much and but also piggybacking on theirs if they if they put something in play that that you quite like the look of really clever game it's number 10 because i haven't played it as much as i probably could have but um, it certainly deserves a mention in my top 10 for just the cleverness of it. That's Whistle Mountain. I haven't played it. It's on my wish list. It's gone, gone on my birthday wish list, which is still being picked over. So I might have a copy soon, although I doubt it. And Sean, bring it down. Okay, let's, I'll do that. I also want to try this. I definitely want to try it. It looks fun. I've seen a lot of buzz about this. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'll enjoy it. Yeah, I'm tickled. I'm tickled. Okay, my number 10 is a solitaire-only game, Czech Games Edition. It's Under Falling Skies, which is a action selection game, which is more or less Space Invaders. There's a mothership dropping ships down onto a city. Underneath the city, there's a tunnel being built, and you build the tunnel as you go, and there are five columns, and you've got five dice, and you roll them, and you place one die per column into rooms, which trigger different things. Now, you can you can have to generate energy in all the actions and move your digger along to get access to better rooms. You're going to have to send up fighters who will be able to destroy ships if they're on certain spaces. So there's a, a, a spatial thing, because the value of the die that you put in a column moves all the little ships in that column down that number of spaces. You're you're going to have to constantly get research done, which which is quite uh, expensive on dice, because there's a track down the left, up the left hand side, which you have to jump along in certain values. So you're timing when to put a lot into research and when you can get away with putting less into research each turn. And like I say, as, as the uh, the excavator goes along, you'll get access to better tunnels. Um, it starts with a base game. You get onto sort of more advanced game, which is really the normal game, where you can have like robots, which are dice that will operate for you but run down over time, and then when you're used to all that there's a campaign in the box as well and you can choose different cities and different personalities and things will come now it's not huge it's not a huge story based to it but things come and go and you lose certain cities and you get certain special powers and it all works very very well and as a genuinely sort of tense euro solo game about 45 minutes a game i think it's a fantastic little package and my number 10 is under falling skies I'm not a big solo gamer. This does sound fun, though. And I think it sounds like it's meant to be... This sounds so weird to say for a board game. It sounds like it's meant to be fun. Like, fun and frantic and fun, right? I just think it just sounds fun to me, yeah. After saying that I really aligned quite quite well with Mike Delisio from the Dice Tower, I, I, I don't like solo games, so i probably undermine that completely. I don't like the thought of just sitting down on my own. I find I, I like games as to be a social experience, so I, I've never really thought of it, thought of playing on my own as being an enjoyable experience. And maybe that's because I'm just not very good company. But yeah, I, it didn't appeal to me, but... But, but you play games on that. <laughs> yeah, true. No, no, that, was a gen- that wasn't a joke. That was, you do, like, when you, especially when you're getting the train a lot, you would happily play games on an app, which is a solo gaming experience. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. I suppose. I play a game occasionally on uh, when I'm really bored in in a position where I can't do anything else, and so. But I don't go. No, no. Add some more clauses that make it feel reluctant. If someone's got a gun <laughs> to my head, if I don't, my children will die. Oh, what else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty much it. Yeah, I see your point, but you're wrong. 
I don't even know what I was wrong about at that point. Matthew, what's your <laughs> number 10? My number 10 is Project L, which is a polyomino game of filling out these tiles with different shapes in. They're like two-layered tiles, and you put these little poly- plastic polyomino pieces into the tiles to fill them up to get points. The reason I enjoyed this so much, and there's, uh, let's face it, polyomino tile games are a dime a dozen, and I certainly enjoy a lot of them. It's such a relaxing and calm, enjoyable experience where you are going up against the person you're playing with. I totally get that, but it just feels like you're just playing a game. It's very, it's just a relaxing experience that I really enjoyed and wasn't expecting much from it and played in a thought wow, I was really in the zone. You ever play a game and you the game ends and you think, wow, an hour's gone and that was I enjoyed all of that because I wasn't even thinking about the time or anything and I had that experience of Project L. Is, am I right in thinking there's really good components for this one? I've heard Yeah, I think so. I think you can them. get two different types and they had to relaunch the game after because of these, for a very minor default in the card stock, which I didn't think mm. would have been a problem, but some people on Kickstarter thought it was going to be a problem last week. Well, I, 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 I was telling Matthew, I recently had a um, a replacement batch of cards for Dice Hospital from Alley Cat Games because the first batch were the wrong size and the replacement batch are the wrong si- wrong colour. Sounds Yay. about up to scratch. <laughs> <laughs> so, Project Tell, the reason I never looked at it is because it's a terrible box and a terrible name. I've got no idea about the gameplay because it's just nothing is appealing about. Oh, it's completely abstracted, right? It's not got a theme put on top of it where, you know, you're putting messages in a bottle and you've got to fit but all the letters in. could you pick the worst, like yeah. Project L? I, just, I don't even remember it. I see it. I've probably seen it 20 times and I still forget about it. And then the box has just got an L on it. It's just... I think for like it's just a, a fun family weight game where you can play with everyone. I just think it's just a really fun experience. And oh, just, I'm totally up for playing it from your description, but you've made me pay attention to it. Nothing about the game made me I pay attention get that. to it. And I think you know, market your game, man. Make it look a bit. Give it. Give us something to remember it. It looks like one of those games that you find in a game shop that's been self-published by someone who's never heard of BGG. That's what it looks it like. Does, you know, yeah, it impression. does a little bit. So anyway, all right, Sean, what's your number nine? So I've kind of flipped my nine and eight around since we last did this. So my number nine is Alma Mater. It's, it's just a really clever game along the lines of Coimbra, where you are, you're in a university and you're sort of fulfilling the students' wishes and bringing, and you're using professors as uh, special powers. Really cool book system where you're sliding books along and you're using each other's books. And I think it's just a very, very good interactive, challenging Euro game. And it looks nice and friendly. And I, I just really enjoyed my players of this. I think we played, it was again another one we played down in the Malverns. And I immediately bought a copy on my return. I enjoyed it so much. But I think it's lost a bit of its luster through the year because other games have kind of come in and replaced it a little bit. But it's still a good game and I'm holding on to it. It's Alma Mater. This has dropped out to my number 12. And I think the reason it's lost some of its luster for both of us, interestingly, it happened to both of us, is that it's a challenge to get back into again. 
because there's a lot of similar tiles and the rule pick is not necessarily the best and there's such a variety within each game you can have a different setup for, from about six different things can, can be varied and you have to explain each one and go well, that's what you're trying to do that's what you're trying to do that's what you're trying to do it's a strength of the game because it means that there's a lot of variety and that each game will be different but it also means you have to play it regularly or you have to make the commitment to say, oh yeah, let's get Alma Mater back out and play it three or four times in the next few weeks. Because the input to get it going again, get your head around it again, is going to be one of those hills you have to get over. So I think that if we had got it out again in the last couple of months and played it three times, this could have been top five. It's just slowly dropping down because we're like, oh, I'm not sure I want to read that rule book again. It's a good game. It's not as much fun as Coimbra. I'll throw that out there. That's where I'm at with it. Eh, Coimbra, Coimbra, Schmoimbra. They're very, very similar. Very, uh, I wouldn't like to choose between them, to be, to be honest. They're both very good games. No, Coimbra's only got one route to victory. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My number nine. <laughs> this is more than a game. It's a judge of the measure of a person, I think. And I think anyone who would be daft enough to let this one go in a trade really needs to take a long, hard look at themselves in the mirror. And it's a two-player extract game called Aqualin. Yeah. It's from Marcello Batoki. I'm agreeing with you more and more <laughs> with this one. There are uh, 36 tiles in the game. They're split into six different species of sea creature and six different colours. And one you is playing as creature type and one you is playing as colours. And on each turn, there's a market of six. You're going to move a tile, you're going to take a tile, you're going to put it somewhere on the board. And you're trying to make them in groups of whatever you are. So if you're creatures, creatures, if you're colour, colours, obviously. And by making that one move and then placing and maybe blocking or what have you, you're trying to stimmy what the other person's doing while scoring points for yourself. It is fit us perfectly. It takes less than 20 minutes to play. It takes about two minutes to teach. It automatically feels like a classic. You're like, oh yeah, I know how this works, even though you've never played it before, because it all just clicks together very nicely. It feels like it should have been designed 20 years ago, but it's been designed in 2020, and I really enjoy it. And in case you missed it, it's Matthew who traded it to me. Yeah, my copy of this left my collection, but I'll tell you now, I'll probably buy it again at some point. <laughs> That's probably what's going to happen. Because, yeah, the, my experience of playing it the first time, the person I played it with didn't enjoy it, and that probably tainted my experience of it, because now I think about it, I did enjoy it. <laughs> so I think that is you in general, Matthew. I think you, so for instance, going back to the Concordia, you didn't enjoy your first game of Concordia, but then you played it again and really enjoyed it. Yeah. I think I think you are you're very sort of aware of people around you and whether they're having a good time. And I think that forms part of your sort of decision making because you're so you you're quite interested in making sure that everyone's having a good time. Well we played Lost I brought Lost Cities the board game to your house yesterday. We played that and the whole time it's like I bought a game over I I can't enjoy playing this unless everyone else you were, is yeah you were too it. worried about like yeah. uh, about, I do struggle with that yeah, if if, yeah. if everyone is having a good time it it takes away from my time playing the game as well and that's my problem it's not anyone else's problem <laughs> you know but it's yeah you, I tend I to be you know, like I don't, but I don't think that's a problem I think everyone feels that, yeah. that if you're introducing a game you feel like you're taking up these people's time and you've taken on responsibility to ensure they're having a good time but for Everyone me, I don't feel that way when it's for me. It's like if I'm playing a game that I'm not enjoying, I'm happy to play a game that I don't enjoy if I'm playing it with someone who really wants to play that game. 
Oh, not. totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you were the one introducing it and you find yes. like, other people, yeah, that's where they... Sean has it as well. One of the reasons Sean hates Roman Wright so much or whatever that's called, Roman Wright, Roland Wright, whatever, is because we weren't, didn't enjoy it and he felt bad because he's the yes. one who took up two hours of our time. He definitely has the same thing. Makes me play loads of crap games, Sean does. <laughs> he's not going to admit to it or he's left himself on mute. It's one of <laughs> We'll never know which. Yeah, yeah, that was there was, was a major component of why I sort of disliked uh, Roman Rolls so much because I felt like I was, as, as Roman said, just taking up someone's time, taking up like boring them, making their time less valuable than it should be. So hopefully Matthew is getting to the point now where he realizes that we will we will swear at him quite quite loudly when we don't like a game, so um, he doesn't have to worry about it. Oh, it's true. Or if you're enjoying it. Or if you beat on me, <laughs> or especially if I'm beating you. I, did, I didn't appreciate the whooping you gave us in Lost Cities last night. <sighs> I did win by quite a lot of points. You did, you did. <laughs> Outrageous. Marvellous. Right. Number nine, Matthew. All right, my number nine is another pattern building type game called Coatl, which I think probably could have been my under the radar game as well i feel just very equally about this as i do to zen garden quartal is a game of building out these big snake dragon things because of there's a theme and it's really really wonderful there's like this thing in the middle where you're drafting your tiles from so it's kind of what i've said the way i've described quartal to before to people is this is the sequel to azul that azul deserved and did not get because <laughs> i think azul the original azul is fantastic i think both of the sequels to azul are fine but quartal is also fantastic you're drafting these tiles out you're also drafting scoring cards so you're trying to draft tiles and build these quartal these snakes and they can be really long and you're trying to build the different pieces and the different colours to make these patterns that line up with the scoring cards that you assign to the coatl that you are building and to score as many points as you can. And It's really satisfying when you do it and you go, this scores for this card twice, this card once, this card twice, and I get five points for this card as well. And you get like, oh, I got 40 points for this coatl that I just built and did really, really well. It's very satisfying and you can be drafting as hatefully as you want to draft, but it's one of those games where, you know, when you do things, do something to someone in a game, and you go, "Look, I know that's just completely ruined your turn," and I'll tell you now, I didn't even mean to do it. So that makes me feel good. It's a really, really great pattern building game, and if you like things like Azul, then I really think you should give Coatl a chance. It's a great one. This is one of the ones that kind of gets lost in a sea of similar types of games for me just the, even just the box cover kind of it, it kind of feels like about 20 other games and i always yeah. get confused which is which is this, this one is i really do want to give this one a go but i always yeah i always forget what it's called well yesterday i was talking to you about oh man there's so many of these great puzzle games that i'm really enjoying at the moment then i listed off about five like uh, uh um, like 100 tory and cascadia and all those i listed off a bunch of five. i forgot about quattle and that was one that would go in that list and I forgot about it then so it does have maybe that about it but I think if you gave it a chance I think if I brought it over and we played it I'm pretty sure you'd enjoy it yeah I'll do that you you should do that definitely it sure looks pearly and I'd love to try it yeah lovely and great components there we go number 8 is going to both 
delight and disgust Matthew at the same time. Delight because it's on my top ten and disgust because it's so low down and it's Lost Runes of Arnak from Min and Elwin, otherwise known as Michael and Michaela Stack. And it's from Czech Games Edition. Lost Rooms of Arnak. Uh, you're you're working out your way up a couple of tracks. It's a it's a worker placement, but it's also a bit of deck building in there as well. Or deck hand management. We've been through the the argument about our deck builder. <laughs> What's a deck builder and what isn't? And you're bringing cards into your hands to facilitate your worker placement. You're moving up a, a sort of a book track. Um, I can't remember what it's called. You're also interacting and bringing more worker placement spaces out onto the board as you explore the jungle it's a euro game very much and you're trying to score more points and the reason it's i think it's a fabulous game i really enjoyed my first few plays i've played it about four or five times now and i'm really enjoying it but the reason it's not higher is i'm starting to think I'm not going to play it much more without an expansion that really changes it up and changes what it does because every game is kind of the same. I haven't really seen anything different happening in all my all my plays so far. But still, really good game, definitely. It was always going to be in my top 10, and that's Lost Ruins of Arnak. Yeah, it was my concern that I wanted an expansion, and I probably still do, but I since we reviewed it, or I reviewed it, or whoever reviewed it, I have continued to play. It keeps getting requested. It was on BGA, so we've had gaming friends over for the first time uh, recently, and it's one of the games that they a newer game that they knew how to teach because because it, it was a board game arena, and it came out again, and we played again. And you know what? It is surprisingly without the expansion, still feeling fresh, and I'm still not getting bored of the gameplay that I thought I would. So I think it has got more legs than I first initially thought let's say 10 games in let's see it 20 games in but you know if you get 20 games out of a game and you're still enjoying it then you're doing very well so actually a little bit more longevity than i thought to it sure the expeditions leaders expansion is coming out soon but i don't know how much that's actually going to change the game up frankly i think but uh yeah it's higher up on my list but i i, <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean the, the combos and stuff have kept it fresh because this there's now because everyone knows it so there's like a rush for certain assistance or oh the timing of things is now more subtle or the race up the research track because we're all going to want to get up it and i used to leave it till very late but then i realized that i was missing out on the bonuses it depends on the player count how many bonuses are there and how good the bonuses are and stuff like that so it's now got more depth to it than i thought it initially would put it that that expansion's got a new track to go up as well, so that's probably one of the big. Give me a track to grow up. Yeah. I'm a happy man. Exactly. <laughs> but I was, I will say, it's higher up on my list, and I've played it fewer times than Sean. So that, you know, maybe that might be why it's there. You know, I can see that. All right. My number eight is the big Onak rival for the year. Another one with a little bit of deck building and a little bit of action selection and a, and a bit more of a fight over things. And it's June Imperium. It's one of the huge hits of the year. It's number 34 on BGG at the moment. It is a tight worker placement and tight in that you have very few workers. It is a deck builder with limited choices. It is a fight for every point and most points can be combated over. You have to keep an eye on what everyone else is doing. It doesn't take forever to play. We're getting it done in well under two hours and we are having to be aware of what everyone else is doing. There's blocking. When certain cards are taken, you know that certain areas are now more valuable to people. I am pretty awful at this game. I never get enough water. 
but I'm very much enjoying it and I know that there is an expansion coming. I'm looking forward to see what that does, but it's still holding up to repeated plays. So I very much like my number eight, June Imperium. It's by Paul Denon and Die Wolf Games, by the way. I've not played this, but I know I'm going to like it. I know I am. There's just almost no doubt in my mind. I am put off by any game that starts with the word Dune because I kind of dislike the whole Dune universe. I just to just watch Tremors, superior movie. And <laughs> slightly smaller worms. <laughs> but I will say that I actually Paula to bring her up again, but she's the only other human I talk to. She played this game and it absolutely blew her away. She, she she kept on just bringing it up in conversation and just said, I'm still thinking about that game of Dune Imperium I played. So any game that has that kind of effect as well, I'm I'm definitely gonna I definitely want to play this at some point. I think I need to play it a little bit more. I, I liked my first couple of plays, but I didn't love them. And I think this is again it's it's a me thing rather than a game thing. I don't like necessarily games where the scoring is sort of sort of up and down like you, you you've got to get to like a target i think it's 10 in june and you kind of like you you might be on seven and someone's on six but they take something off you and you go to six and they go to seven and it's i don't like scoring like that i like like hiding my scoring and doing big last minute moves that no one sees so i think there's that to it the money in it just loses purpose halfway through the game once you've done everything you can do with money and you end up just loads and loads of money that you can't really do anything with and that felt a little bit odd as well on top of that yeah the world is it's a bit odd i before before i bought this game i actually watched the film june from the 1980s and that just was like being high on acid or something it was just so odd but uh yeah it's it's still in the collection. I still want to play it, and I kind of like it. I had a, a parenting-affirming moment this month with Ellie with regards to June. She's been devouring sci-fi books. She suddenly hit on sci-fi, and she bought June, and she started reading it. And I said, oh, you're reading June? She went, yeah, have you read it? I said, yeah, I've read it. And she was like, oh, okay. I said, I don't want to say anything about it. You do it. And about two days later, she was like, yeah, I got halfway through June and gave up, Dad. Yes, Ellie! <laughs> Correct. I mean, she was enjoying it when I saw her with it in her head. Yeah, yeah it's first, really good. For the first hundred pages, and then you realise it's the same Mary Stew rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely unfussed by the setting, other than the fact that it gives you that background of intrigue. You know, people are about backstabbing and fighting yeah. over a scarce resource. That's the only reason that it gives any sort of depth to the game, the, the actual setting and the book itself, terribly. Cool. Matthew, your number eight. My number eight, I won't belabor the point. It's Halatau. I think it's great. <laughs> I think it's really good for all the reasons that we kind of went in before. Uh, yeah, Halatau. Probably my number 11, to quote Mr. Vassal. Probably my number 4,000. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on, number seven. We've talked about it already. Endangered, Joe Hopkins, Grand Gamers Guild. Really, really good cooperative game. Gutted that I got rid of it. Um, not much more to say. You are right. Fine game, and it would have been my number 11. And I want to play it now. So cool. Beautiful. Right. And I can't. My number, my number seven by Elwood and Min, Czech Games Edition. It is Lost Ruins of Arnak. I'll just talk about it when Matthew brings it up later. Matthew, what's your number seven? My number seven is the 100 Tories. Scott Caputo game, pencil first, and 
it's one of those games that came out that in the big slew of games, you know, when you get a big slew of games and you think, okay, we've had enough. It's one of those big slew of games. I think keep them coming. Beautiful, puzzly games, like in the realms of Calico and Cascadia and all those types. This is very similar to that. You're trying to connect icons on the board. There's about eight different icons. You're trying to connect them via paths and go under these Tory gates to score points. But you're placing these tiles down Carcassonne style. However, you've got to put it in the right place because it. Oh no, this one's closer. I want to go through under five gates and get loads to do really well but I can't believe how I've got to put and it's just one of those games that just gets more and more devious the longer you play it and it's just really wonderful beautiful production and I think it's, it's wonderful I really do enjoy it quite a lot. You've talked about this one before Matthew I've had a little sniff at it and it does look really appealing and if I'm not wrong Mr Rice Mr Rona Rice did you not get this in a maths trade recently? Unless you're talking to yourself, I knew that you were referring to me, by the way. You didn't have to, I knew Mr. Rice was it. Do you often like just talk to yourself? He does. He does. The only understand. way I can get a decent conversation. Yes, Matthew, you inspire me. I got this in the latest UK math trade. So I'm uh, looking forward to it turning up and getting games of it. I did good. I'm happy with what I got. I got villagers. I got the clockwork expansion to root. I got 100 Tory and I got something else, Sean. You missed out on the one that I was after because when when they re-ran it, you got the the space game. What's it called? There's a there's a rocket on the cover taking off. Is it leaving Earth? Oh, did I get leaving Earth in a rerun? You, yeah, in the, the first rerun, you got leaving Earth, and I was gutted because I was well, not gutted because obviously I. Could this play is it why anyways. I don't want you to tell me. This is why yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't look until it's done because until it's done, I don't know. I got burnt no. on this mass trade by someone who is. I'm not getting that game. They're not being very forthcoming. But uh, I, I got Strasbourg by Stefan Feld, which is oh, the big thing I, like I was that. very happy about. I was telling I like him about that. that one. I said, we've played a few good games of that at your house, right? Yeah, that could be a good crack. You need, a, you need a few people, and they need to get into it because the theme is so dull. But if you get them, oh, it's... it's um, I got Black Angel was the fourth thing I got, by the way. I always do well at mass trades, getting games that I want, but... Everyone thinks I'm trading down, but I'm like, yeah, yeah. but I've got these. I've got your yeah, spectaculum, yeah. the old stuff. Uh, yeah, manic. I played that a few what times. What did you yeah, trade yeah, for yeah. that? Because I give you abuse over that, Mr. Jude. Oh, Chronicles of Crime, I think Chronicles I did. Chronicles of one. Crime for spectaculum. Yeah. Yeah, but spectaculum must be hard to get now, right? It is. That's the thing. I'm, I'm happy with my trade. But Chronicles of Crime is quite, you know, it's quite reasonably priced, isn't it? I found it for two quid in shrink in a, in a charity shop. Well, very recently priced. <laughs> popped in the math like, I'm like, wicked. <laughs> so Matthew does this thing now where he just looks at my collection and goes, eh, I don't need that anymore. Well, that's exactly what I said. You said, oh, you got rid of Chronicles of Crime. I was like, it's right there on your shelf. I don't need it. I'm only going to play with you guys. <laughs> when is he moving in? Just just lodge. It's fine. Whenever he wants. Whenever he wants. He's got a room. Right. Um, We're definitely diverging here. Diversing, right, digressing. Die something. Let's go on to number six. So my number six is a game I spent absolutely no money on at all. It's Marvel United from uh, Eric Lang and Andrea Chiavicio. <laughs> How much have you spent on it? How much have you spent on it? Well, to be fair, it was Natalie that spent money. I can't remember How exactly much what Natalie it's spent into the hundreds. <laughs> into the hundreds. We've got the whole shebang. Some whole games... shebang. Can they fit on a Kallax shelf for some games? You go, yeah, it fits on a nice ticket-to-ride size box. Some games, you know, you get Suburbia, you know, the new edition of that, and it's like, it fits on a Kallax shelf, yeah, but it takes up a whole cube. 
that how much of this game you've got will fit on a whole shelf. <laughs> <laughs> so, for those who don't know, uh, Marvel United, it's a, obviously based in the Marvel Universe and it's a cooperative game where you are taking on a villain, moving from location to location, fighting villains, doing quests. And the the beauty of it is that every time I lay a card, it affects the person that goes after me because they use not only their card and the powers on their card, but the card I have previously laid for them. And so we have to be mindful of each other when we're playing our cards. You can't just play for yourself. And it's a very simple way of getting that sort of cooperation involved in the game. Obviously, I love the theme and what's not to like my, me and me and James absolutely love it Natalie not so much of a fan but yeah Marvel United a winner in this household okay I'm gonna I'm trying to do a round of applause without overwhelming the microphone here that's for you <laughs> that's for attempting to convince us that Marvel United is a game and not just boxes full of toys that you got excited it's that too that, that's mostly what it is <laughs> and there's there's some rules around some reasons where you can play with your toys but what you bought was big boxes full of toys for yourself and no no i, f- I fully agree it was just a good attempt <laughs> i'm surrounded at the moment by big boxes and they are toys let's be real i will say this i it's not for me because it's a co-op marvel game it's not marketed at me, it's not for me at all, and I'm not a fan of Marvel in the slightest. But I played it, I played it at Sean's house with Sean and James, and it was fun. It was a fun game. I, I was thinking, oh, is this going to be on my overrated one, or is this going to be like my you know, disappointment? Well, I wasn't disappointed by it, because I hadn't got any expectations of it. But I thought about it and thought, you know what? It's a perfectly fun little game, and I'm... I'm kind of against the idea of they being so massive and there being so much of it available on this kind of stuff. Because I think that's actually kind of predatory, the way it's been marketed, frankly. It fit into Simon's marketing perfectly with all the extra characters that they didn't have to come up with themselves. They just had to tap into the universe. I think they should have done one giant master set of it and that's what they sold. And I, I do think that the marketing of this particular game was predatory and... I'm, I'm, a, I'm kind of. But no one's making anyone buy it. No, I, I agree with that. But it's it's kind of like, but you can get this one extra bit. I, pers- I have a personal problem with that. But I, and that's it's just because you have to see the results of it in Sean's marriage. That's why. <laughs> you, it's just right there in your face of like, well, that's who they're aiming at. <laughs> but I did play it. We played as, I think, the Hulk, Iron Man, and Thor, and it felt like teamwork. It kind of felt like it was us flying around smacking up some baddies and it was a perfectly fun fine time and it's not for me but i can i absolutely i I can't say it's a bad game i am just upset that my youngest child is 15 and that if i used her as a reason to drop 500 quid on this and take it home she would just look at me with that teenager's flat stare what this is not for me dad you sicko (laughs) so that's really what's upset me most more than anything else i have no excuses to buy it okay moving onwards ronan Yes, my number six. As we mentioned before, it was my best art slash production, and here it's here just for its gameplay. It is Red Cathedral. It feels like an old-fashioned Euro, which is streamlined. It's a race. You've got a limit of how many resources you can take, so you have to use resources at the right time. It's clever use of dice. There's some randomization in there because the dice roll when you use them. However, it all feels very under control. There's little use of special powers that will give you the edge if you use them wisely. There's 
a great sort of airy majority thing where you're nabbing in with decorations on these towers you've built in order to steal a second place or a first place majority. Oh, score it's good when points. you do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that there are more exciting setups of the tower heights. I prefer when there's some bigger ones and some smaller ones rather than them all being fairly close because then the game falls a little flatter but it is a fantastic game and one which feels i've said it before about something but it feels like a classic feels like it will stick around it's not sort of a flavor of the month it is a very solid strategy game and my number six is red cathedral i'll talk about it a bit more slightly later on i feel like it's <laughs> oh, my opinion I really enjoyed the game of it. I thought it was a little bit mean in places for me, maybe. Um, I don't think myself and Nat would particularly enjoy the, the mean bit where you can sort of jump on top of each other's uh, towers and uh, in the, on the cathedral. Or... Nah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> but, See, the uh, thing is, now this, no, no, this is a mindset thing. It's because when Sean plays games, he has to have things that are his. So when he starts building a tower, he's like, that's my tower. But it's not your tower. We're all building the tower. I'm like that as well. But in Stop this game, psych evaluating me. <laughs> I am like that as well. I, if it's a game, it's like, I'm building my thing. I don't want anyone to take what I think. But it's like, in this game, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm taking control of this tower. It's like, ah. I, I, didn't, yeah, I didn't mind it so much with Roland and Rachel, but I don't think I'd feel comfortable doing it with Nat necessarily. So I think that's why I haven't bought it. But I, mind you, I don't think you can get hold of it, but I, I do think it's a really good game and I really enjoyed the play that I had down at Roland and Rachel's of it. So I do think it's a really good game. Also, I've got a copy of it that you can play at any time you want. So oh, it's, you know, okay. you don't need a copy. Especially once you move in. Big time. Especially once you move in, exactly. So who have we got left on number six? Matthew. My number six is a game that the first time I played it, to, I guess, prove Sean right, the first time I played it, didn't like it. <laughs> then I played it again, and I was like, oh, actually, this is the sixth best game of the year, and that is Calico. Now, I'll tell you now, the first time I played it, I lost uh, in a big way, and I played it online, and I have problems in my brain with pattern recognition, I think. I was checking and checking and rechecking and checking a third time. Is this the same pattern? Is this the same pattern as this? Because it's patterns and colours. And it really frustrated me. I thought, oh. And then I lost by a big amount. But then I played it again, and I tell you what, I won in a big way. And then I decided I liked it. It's a really, it is it is a great game, and I was certainly wrong the first time I played it. If you don't know Calico, it's a game about putting tiles around three different scoring tiles in a quilt that you're building to try and score them but i tell you right now you can't do them all even though you'll try so it's a game of trying to compromise in the most beneficial way possible it's really great puzzle game and i i enjoy a lot i think i enjoy cascadia more which is the sequel in of sorts but yeah calico is a really wonderful game yeah, I'll, I'll probably talk about Calico in a little while. I thought so. I believe we've all three of us have got Cascadia now. I know Sean's been playing the bejesus out of it. I think Matthew has, and mine's unopened, but will be. So Calico has been like the best hype man ever for a game, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm looking at Verdant thinking, I'll probably want to get that when it, when it goes. And there's another one, is there? So yeah. we're not cutting edge, Matthew, see. We don't know no. about these things. I do the news. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sean, your number five. My number five is Praga Kaput Regni from Vladimir Sushi and Delicious Games. And I'm not quite sure who picked up the 
the license. It, I just it, said Rio Grande. You, oh, you said did it say it Rio Grande. Yeah, you did. Is that in the, in the UK as well? Yeah. You don't listen to me anymore. I don't. Do I don't. <laughs> I even made a comment about it. Now, I think this could have been a candidate for Game of the Year if I'd have played it a little bit more often. And my one play to date was absolutely brilliant. I really, really enjoyed it. Then we went away, didn't bring it with us, and the burden of learning it... you got to learn it again. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you yeah. got to learn it all over again, and I've never quite gone back to it. So maybe that tells a story in itself. But what I did see about it is just loads of Euro mechanisms really... They look like they're not going to work, but they do. They all tie in nicely, and you've got different paths you've got to go up, different areas you've got to progress in and it all comes together really nicely and it's uh, sushi uh, right up there at the top of his game in my opinion that's praga kaput regni when we didn't record this before i said that i'm desperately trying to get this played too many games turn up it, it's, it's like <laughs> it's getting there it's now closer to the top of the pile i still haven't played it i still hanging to play this game i'm sure i'm gonna like it but unplayed as yet I know that this game will be on my list if I play it. I just know it will be because it's got everything. I've got no doubt. So, yeah, I need to play this one as well. Okay. I'm going to make Matthew happy now because my number five has come into this list since the last time we didn't record it. And I know that he loves it. And I have played the first three chapters. Yay! (laughs) That's nine games of my city under my belt we took it away on holiday last week myself rachel and ellie have been playing it's polyomino it's about putting down into an area and then the rules change a tiny ever so slightly every single game but then every three games the rules amount change by a little bit more and so the church become involved you've got to build churches and then there's a flood so you're limited to where you can build on but then suddenly you can cut down trees you can build an area you can't build on and that's as far as i've got I knew it was going to get in this top 10 and I was really struggling as to where to pull it. And in the end, if the, if we'd had two more weeks and I had played a bit further into it, I think it could have been higher, but because I've only played the first three of it, is it 10 overall chapters? 30 games overall? Eight. Okay. So I'm almost halfway through. I feel like I have to see more of it before I could definitely say that it's an amazing game, but this is rising. And, and tomorrow it could be at number four and the day after it could be number three because we're loving our games of it. We're having really good fun. It's got, I could perhaps say subtle, not very subtle catch-up mechanisms, but very clever catch-up mechanisms. Yeah. I got hit, for example. The, so the churches are a pain in the bum. They're a way to score points, but you have to build them. If you can't build them, you have to stop your turn. I got hit by winning the game where you get the church. So I've got the big four block one and then Ellie's got a three and Rachel's got a smaller one, which is much easier to fit in. So now for every single game, more or less, it's harder for me <laughs> because I won that that game previously, which is very sort of clever. And, it, you know, then as other people win other games, they get punished and, and rewarded very slightly, very subtly, like a chance to score two more points or a chance to eliminate something that might score, it'll cost you a point and what have you. But very, very well designed so far. I'm enjoying it loads. We're loving it. We got it out three evenings on this holiday. We went away for six days. So um, it shows you that we're all enjoying it very much. So my city number five and rising it does a family style legacy quote-unquote legacy game better than any other and i do think i would want to play through the whole thing again but there are definitely 
chapters or games of that game if I played it again that I know I would want to purposely lose. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually already thinking you could easily play this again. It's not a legacy game that you'd like after. I've seen it all. It's a really rock solid game that just happens to have slightly changing rules. It's going to be one of the first games that I will have bought twice. For my part, I've definitely come round to the way of thinking on this one. I know Matthew's been banging on it about it for a while. I was always, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, but um, I was very close to buying it at the UKGE. Um, yeah. I just thought, you know what, the old wallet, while it wasn't as thick as it normally is, so I thought, well, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait. But I think it is in on the horizon. When I can get rid of a few games, I think that's going to be one of the first in. My number five is the one we're talking about right now, just making sure, yeah, it is cool, great, uh, is uh, Nidavellir. Very good, very good. It's a game of auctioning to try and get dwarves to come fight in your army, but ignore all that, you're buying cards to try and get sets and collect sets that score in slightly different ways. It's a fantastic game because you get to chip up, I guess, cashing your chips to get them to be stronger, to get more power of currency going. It's just a really great fast-playing family weight set collection game, which has what I think really unique and stunning artwork in it. It's just just a wonderful, wonderful game. And yeah, I like it a lot. It's just it's auctioning and trying to score cards and trying to get the sets that you want to get to try and score in the best way possible. It's a pretty simple game, but yeah, it's excellent. Nidavellir. I might talk about it a bit later. I thought so. That's why I didn't belabor the point. <laughs> and I definitely didn't love it as much as these two. I think no. it's fine. I just think there was a lot of learning of all the special powers and stuff, and I didn't for the. The bidding was that exciting. I thought people wanted certain things and generally you wanted different things to the other players. And you had to always play a zero because the value of your coins added to your score. That wasn't even a choice either. It's just where the zero was going, not whether I was going to play my zero or not. So I, I, but it, was a, it was a decent game. I just didn't love it. What? Cool. Okay. Absolute. Uh, yeah, no, Sean, sure, keep talking. No, don't strand out, Matthew. He's got nothing <laughs> nice to say. <laughs> Moving on to number four, for me, is something that has been mentioned previously, and I'm sure will be mentioned again. It's uh, Calico, Kevin Rust, Flat Out Games. I think it's just such a clever game. From the moment that Ronan introduced this game to me, that I had absolutely no inclination of ever playing or buying. It just didn't look interesting. I, I fell in love with it. Such a clever game. You've got a very, very simple setup and on the face of it, a really simple game where you're just choosing from two counters on the table and but then comes the magic where you've got to try and fit them in in certain orders and certain patterns together and you've got different types of scoring you've got your your scoring that you've set out from randomly in each game you've also got the cats scoring they all score in different ways you've got the button scoring they score for the colors and it's just such an interesting agonizing at time but brilliant game so that's calico yeah, definitely a wolf in sheep's clothing that I did not expect. I, once I started hearing the buzz about it, I was like, oh, maybe I should give it a go. Obviously, uh, as Sean knows, I got it because it's got a cat theme, but also because of the tile laying and Rachel loves both those things. And my God, am I glad that I made that purchase as a Christmas present. It's Ace. I like it. Yeah, 
jolly good. (laughs) (laughs) Right, my number four has been mentioned before. It surprised Sean, and it delighted me. It was a reprint, and it was Project Elite. It came out a few years ago with real shonky uh, parts, and if there was one game you asked... Oh, miniatures were bad, basically. If there's one game you can ask me, do, what do you want reprinted with better components? This would have been right up there in the list, and they did not disappoint. This is one of the very, very few Kickstarters. I, I, 99% of the time, I just back a basic Kickstarter. Because I don't want to spend $100 on something I don't for expansions I don't even like the game. This is one of the ones I wished I'd back for more, and I had more content for, because we play it rapidly and enjoy it. And the real great thing about it is that you've got the time in a real-time game to sit and talk and chat and strategize, but just strategize, because at the end of the day, it's the tactics are in the real-time phase, and that one minute, and each player has to make their own decisions in that space, and you cannot quarterback each other. You cannot tell people exactly. You can have a loose framework, but if certain things happen, you might have to change your mind and you've got to make that decision you don't have got time to talk to other people and then when that minute's over you have a look at the board and go oh what happened there and then you say well this kind of happened so i had to come back this way to look after that because then otherwise that was going to happen and everyone's like oh we did not think of that because so much is going on and the aliens move on your turn when you roll for an alien move and it's always dynamic and adjusting and i just have to be aware of everything that's going on and a little bit of miscommunication can doom the whole lot of you and i absolutely love it it's made for me so my number four is project elite I want to play this now. I want to play it real bad. <laughs> I'm totally interested in it. I've seen Rado talk about it in the past, and I was like, oh, I guess our type of gaming taste is different, and this is where it's different. And I'm hearing more and more people say this is a great game. So, yeah, I- I'm interested. Yeah, I've already t- talking about talking. I've already talking. spoken about it at length. I think it's a really, really good game, and that's that's quite big for me coming from someone who doesn't like this type of game. So, yeah, good choice. Lovely. Matthew, do you want to talk about your number four? My talking about number four is going to be a game we've mentioned in the past. That's Castles of Tuscany. I thought it was an absolutely wonderful game. A lighter Stefan Feld bringing to the table. It's not the sequel to the Castles of Burgundy, as we've said, but it's a fun game of placing tiles, getting combos, and then getting to place more tiles to get points. There are two different currencies of points. One is more important than the other, and scoring big in the first round is certainly going to help you, which is actually something that they've taken right from the Castles of Burgundy, but done in a slightly different way. I think it's wonderful through and through, and certainly a game that I'd rather introduce a new gamer to than Castles of Burgundy. Because Castles of Burgundy is a, it's a more complex game than I think most of us give it credit for being. And Castle Tuscany, oh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a good one to get people into the hobby, I think, as well. Yeah, I think it's wonderful. As I said, I didn't like the scoring. I thought the scoring could really hose people, as you said, in the first round, especially you get a good lead. It's very hard to peg them back. It represents the fact that in Castle... I'm sure you know this, but Castles of Burgundy, if you manage to concentrate on one area and close it off, you get a massive bonus points in the first round, and obviously those go down. And that's what it's replicating, and maybe it doesn't do it in as quite an elegant a way. I can see that. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I don't hate the game. I just didn't like it, and it disappointed me. So that was my my issue with it. But anyway, moving on. We've talked about this one. Uh, Ronan, any thoughts? 
it would have been probably around top 20-ish, back in the top 20. I liked it. It was quick. It was thinky. It filled 45 minutes, and you felt like you are playing a Euro. It was slightly lacking for me, but I still thought it was a strong game. So my number three, Matthew doesn't care. Ronan didn't quite care for it. It's Dwellings of Elverdale. Well, Eldervale, I always do that. From Luke Laurie and Breaking Games, I just think it's a a really good combination of Ameritrash and Euro gaming. It's not as in your face as you first think it's going to be with combat and stuff like that. But I think the, the your choices are interesting. Your your upgrading is, is interesting. You've got a little a little tiny elements of like deck building and tableau building and what have you. And I just really enjoyed it. In its entirety, it did surprise me. I was expecting initially a much deeper, meteor experience, almost sort of role player esque or dungeony, dungeon crawler esque. But I didn't get that, and I adapted, and I quite like it for what it is. So it's my third best game. Not the best game of the year, not the best game ever, but I really enjoy it. And the the bling is just that added a little impact for me. So yeah, my number three, Dwellings of Elder Vale. Easy for you to say. <laughs> I think it's a good game, by the way. So don't, you know, don't get don't go, go mad at me. I said it was <laughs> overhyped. I said there's people saying it's the best game ever and going crazy and spending loads of money on it. And I'm like, ease up on that. I actually think it was, a, I guess far as I say, it's a good game. Yeah, but you've got to justify your purchase. That's why people rate start the game so high on board game geek. I wish I could justify my purchases. I had to give up on that a long time ago. I think it's a good game, but just a good game. And I think it's much narrower at its core than all the faff would have you believe. And that I had to adjust my expectations after one play and say, oh, okay, this is what this is. And to me, the noise distracts from the actual good game that's there. So I just wish it had been presented differently and presented so that I could concentrate on the actual Mm. game rather than worry about the fuss. So I think all the extra stuff actually takes away from me, but I understand that for other people that will add to it. But there you go. Interesting enough, it it was quite a similar experience, a slightly different direction, but a similar experience with City of Kings. Everyone was expecting a dungeon crawler, a big, massive dungeon crawler, but what City of Kings was, was a puzzle game. And it was absolutely, massively a puzzle game. The dungeon side of it and the thematic side of it was tacked on to a really big puzzle. And I think that's why that one, for instance, didn't get the love that I thought it deserved. And yeah, I think I think this one has a similar tones to it. And Matthew, you probably don't care because you've not played it. I'm going to hold out judgment on this one because I know I am going to play it because I'm going to play it at your house. So I'm... <laughs> I'm looking forward to trying it. Round number three. Mine is the very epitome of a rough diamond. It is Far Away, designed by Alexander Jerebek and from Cherry Picked Games. I reviewed it. You may remember it's got very, very few ratings of Board Game Geek, but all the ratings are high. It's the two-player game in which you have been hired by a company in the future, and basically they fire off uh, budget spaceships, they just chuck you out into space towards a planet they've heard about. There might be something going on there. And you crash land. And if you're able to repair your, your ship that's deliberately crash landed, they're not paying for landing gear. 
and then follow whatever mission you've been given by the company and manage to get it done and get it back to your ship and repair it and take off again, you're going to have made loads of money. It's basically like you're taking a shot on improving your life, but but probably you're going to die. They also, by the way, haven't bothered to give you a radio. So it's played out on hexes that are different terrains. There's a very Euro element to it where different hexes produce different resources. You need different resources to build different um, buildings and different buildings give you access to different powers, which will help you as you go to mitigate what's going on around you. But they haven't given you a radio. So when you're not in the same hex as your partner, you cannot speak to your partner. So it's only when you come together and you have to come together periodically. Otherwise, you will die of loneliness. The other major Don't I know it. <laughs> I will give you hugs as many as you want, Matthew. I've told you that again and again. I'm a big hugger. Okay. That's one part of it, in that you're following this mission, that uh, you've got different stuff to do, you're adapting to what hexes you find, you're making a plan, you're going off and doing it. The other massive part to it, which is going to be very much the Marmite, you love it, you hate it, is that there are going to be eight different creatures on each planet, and there are, there's a massive not massive but there's a deck of them and you draw them from this deck and some are moving around and some live in dens and they have a description and the description is some icons that tell you their lead characteristics but also then a little paragraph about them and each of you is going to have control of half the animals but you need to operate them role play them almost but that's going too far the way you think they would naturally behave and they will react to each other at least as much as they will react to you and they have drives and they are aggressive or they're defensive or they want to group together or they want to be solitary or they want to eat metal or they're going to steal all your harvests or they're going to bring plants to you because they just want to be loved and as they're bringing plants to you these lovely little pig things maybe these ravaging lions will come along and then they'll kill the pigs that are trying to bring you plants and you'll get very upset but you've got to stick with the mission because life is hard and the whole world feels dynamic and you are running the world without hopefully cheating but also trying to get your mission done within this world and now the whole product is a bit rough the rule book is not that great there are a couple of colors and components that are very similar to each other you have to kind of read between the lines and pull out what's going on but it's not that bad it's certainly better than some published ones like curious cargo but the whole experience is unique and it's challenging and it's funny and you're playing an actual strategic game where you have to play well. You can't take risks with yourself. You're very fragile. You cannot allow predators to attack you. You'll be in big trouble. But equally, you're also then creating all these story moments with all these different creatures going around. And they're very creative types of creatures. It's not just lions and mice and pigs, or whatever. We just call them that because that's our point of reference. But you, you've got like these desert plants that, that are meat-eating and there are other desert plants that create energy because they're basically massive solar cells as a plant. There's loads of stuff that happen and the different ones that you have come out will always interact with each other in different ways. Each planet you land on will feel unique. So each game will feel unique. And I've had a fantastic time with it and it needs picking up or cherry pick games need to get a break whereby they can get this to a bigger market because it's very creative and I absolutely love Far Away. Sounds rubbish. <laughs> No, it sure. sounds really cool. It's it's definitely one of those games I think needs a wider release. It sounds it sounds wicked. Yeah, it sounds cool. It's actually another one that I think is starting to creep into sort of people's consciousness, Ronan, because I know that uh, Shay Parker on the Rado's channel did a run through of it, so it's starting to creep in there. Yeah, he did. That's that. Yeah, because it came back into my mind actually because I noticed that, and I will say the artwork is wonderful. Sorry, carry on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's. Um, 
a game that's definitely on my radar for sure. I'd love to get hold of it. Whether I have the time to actually do it justice, I don't know. If somebody could pick it up or they could do a, a, a nicer looking version, I'd definitely be on board for that. Keep the front cover though. The front cover is absolutely ex- excellent. It's really, really good. And uh, yeah, cool. That's uh, definitely one that I'd look forward to playing at some stage in the future. Far away, it's great. Go and buy it, people. Buy it. It's got 118 ratings only. We need to get it more ratings. We need to get it more known. It's a fantastic game. Okay. Matthew, your number three. My number three, I won't belabor it. Again, it's Red Cathedral. All the things we've spoken about it before, how much it's a wonderful game in a small box. And I think one of the best things about it is that it's got more game in there than a lot of Ticket to Ride size boxes that come out. I will absolutely stick to that opinion it's a wonderful game i've really enjoyed it i love the artwork i love the gameplay i love the action selection rondell with the dice i think the area control in it is fun and often funny because of how devious it can be and it's it's just wonderful i absolutely love it and i think it deserves all the hype it got i think it's fantastic good show good game i think Roland's spoken about it He's right. He's right, Sean. He's just right. He's, when the man's right, the man is right. When the man's right, the man is right. Okay, moving on to number two. Yes. So my number two, Matthew's spoken about it. Well, Ronan has too. It's Nadavalier, uh, Serge Leger and Grrr Games. It was one of those games I sat down, I didn't really have any expectations for, and halfway through I just thought I'm having so much fun here. And that was in the two-player version. I've not played it three or four-player, but the two, even just the two-player version for a, for a game that's effectively a bidding game, um, to still be fun two players i thought that was absolutely fantastic just the different things in it like the the building up of your of your coin the values as, as you go on yes you do have to as run said put that zero coin into to upgrade your coins constantly but that that mechanism i've really enjoyed having the the sort of the halfway point where you you've kind of got little little bonuses for being in, in the lead in 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 the different types of cards and then trying to reach for those uh, bonus cards that that you can reach if you get to certain levels and they give you extra powers or extra points at the game just i think i thought there was a lot going on in the game for such a again such a small box packing a load of game in and i thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed my games of nidavalia yeah good i'm glad you do (laughs) (laughs) it's ace i love it too my number two is I'm sorry, it's it's people have been backlashing against this being chosen as one of the top games of twenty twenty because it is a reworking of Gloomhaven. And it's Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. And uh, actually once I read some of the things about it, it's just a, an expansion basically, I'm like, Yeah, it kinda is. Kinda is exactly the same game. So I can if you like ah the one you choose that for, it's not an original game. I appreciate it, but I'd put it in here already, so it's still staying as my number two. Are you creating more controversy after after our deck building uh, episode? No, what, around the same game as well. Yeah, Gloomhaven's <laughs> a deck builder. Well played, Sean. Anyone wants to join in the conversation? It's on our <laughs> guild on BGG. You can see us getting... Please don't. We've been battered enough. Castigated for our choice. <laughs> <laughs> so if you didn't agree with our top 10 deck builders, you weren't alone. Okay, anyway, Jaws of the Lion. It's fabulous. It teaches you Gloomhaven so, so much easier than um, getting the full game itself. But it is the full game two percent away from it it's not a version light is a full version of gloomhaven with a tiny couple of tweaks on it it 
is fantastic. It is just as good as Gloomhaven. It's got 25 scenarios. Uh, if you need more than 25 scenarios, go and buy Gloomhaven. That's cool. Go do that. But I would urge you to try this one first because it just eases you into the game so, so much better than the main one. And I love the main one. It's one of my favorite games of all time. Don't get me wrong. But Jules Line did everything you could ever hope for. It was a fantastic way of introducing people to the system and uh, bring on Frosthaven and whatever else he wants to design because I love it. My number two is Gloomhaven Jaws off the Lion. If I'm ever going to try Gloomhaven, which I will tell you now, I'm probably not, but if I ever am, it'll probably be to buy Jaws of the Lion. I, w- I would love to see what the hype is about. It's not for me, and that's absolutely fine, and it doesn't bother me in the slightest, and I can totally accept that it's probably an incredible game worthy of their position on the board game Geek Top 5, which will eventually will have three iterations of the same game. Whatever, it's fine. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but, um, I'd love to try it, and if I'm going to try it, it's this. This is a much more, for me, reasonable price point, much better entryway into the game. And I have heard that the way that the game is taught is revolutionary in of itself. So, Yeah, I agree. I would love to try it, and uh, I think it's probably Jaws of the Lion as well as Gloomhaven together are going to mould the way board games change in the future. That's big. That's a big, big statement. Big statement. Uh, there's something holding me back buying this, and I think it's this ill-conceived idea that one day I'm going to get Gloomhaven to. The You're not. I've told it. you at UK Games Expo you when you were looking at it. Are. I was like, just I get keep, Jaws the Lion so we can play it. I keep sniffing at it, and I was like, but I really want to play Gloomhaven, but I probably will end up getting Glo- uh, uh, Jaws of the Lion. But anyway, Matthew, your number two. My number two, again, being spoken about a bunch. Lost Ruins of Arnok. I don't know if this is really my number three and Red Cathedral's my number two. I feel like these are... I don't know. I need to play Lost Ruins more, I think. I need to play both of them more. I want to play both of them more. But yeah, Lost Ruins of Arnok, I just loved it. I would just sat at the end. I remember sitting back the first time I played it, sitting back at the table with Sean and saying, oh, yeah, man, that was a good game, wasn't it? That was great. I got excited about it. It's just wonderful. I just really, really, really like that game. So yeah, Lost Ruins of Arnok. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very good game. It is a very good game. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Agreed. Right, well, we're on to it. It's the best game of 2020 for each of us. And I am going to kick off with On Mars from Vital Lacerda and Eagle Griffin Games. I have been on a bit of a kick for Vital Lacerda Games, but um, not all of them have been uh, to my taste. I I didn't really get on very well with Vinyos and Escape Plan was so-so. Lisboa, I thought, was going to be my the favourite game, but then came on Mars, and on Mars just blew me away. I think it's such a clever game. You're, you're building up a colony on Mars itself, but your, your worker is sort of in between the orbiting spaceship that we have to do certain tasks, get ready to go down onto the planet to then produce the things that you need to. And you've got to sort of pick your time for going back up to orbit and back down to the planet. And if you mess that up, you can mess like your timing up. And there's so much to think about and do. Obviously the components are fantastic. It's Eagle Griffin. Yeah, the price point is fantastic as well. In in a bad sense, it's it's a big big price game, but you've got the Eno tool artwork, iconography is spot on. There's loads of ways to go. There's all lots of avenues to explore in the game. I just found it an absolute mind bending 
joy to play and it's it was my obvious choice one and my number one of the game of the year and that's on mars as i mentioned last episode a very beautiful, wonderful, gigantically large <laughs> cousin of mine, <laughs> who apparently turned into a walrus, uh, bought this for me for my birthday last month. So I will be playing it very shortly, and you will be getting my thoughts on it very shortly. And thank you, Shawnee. I worry that On Mars, for me, kind of falls into the area where I stop enjoying playing the game because it's just too heavy for me to enjoy. I'm perfectly capable of playing the heaviest of board games. I am perfectly capable of doing that. Do I enjoy doing that? Not particularly. I feel like those Lacerda games, I, I worry that they are just moving into the area where I stop enjoying the experience because the games are more work than I want to do when I'm playing a game. So I haven't tried it. But I might be wrong. And I think I, I've purposely not played many of those games because I just think I'm just not going to enjoy it. I don't want to have to learn so much. I don't want to have to do so much work to enjoy my relaxing hobby. <laughs> and <laughs> that puts that really does put me off. That's why I'm a big champion of the light to mid-weight Euro games. Those are the things that I absolutely love. Listen, it's not it's not for everyone. It is a deep, involved like game where you're having to really sort of plan out up to three hours of thinking and planning and working and But there's like there's are I love I love Lignum, which is a big heavy Euro. I love Lagranha, which is a big heavy Euro. There's lots of them that I really I, I do really like, but I'm never gonna pick it when I can pick learning something easier and still have a really great time for two hours, right? So the only thing I say about On Mars is that I love the process of Lisboa. I love the playing of it, but the scoring left me absolutely cold. And the, the fact that you could grab a card in the last round and it would give you endgame scoring, which would score as much as something that took 10 moves to set up in the middle of the game. So the scoring has to be better than in Lisboa for me to really enjoy it. Because I think that's where Vital and the games fall down for me. So sometimes I enjoy the process, but I don't get satisfied at the end. With that in mind, Ronan, what's your number one game of the year? I think you've worked out what my number one game of the year is, Sean. Dwellings of Eldervale. <laughs> Dwellings of Cats on Quilts yeah. is Calico. Calico is fabulous. It is an absolute shock in the box that you think you're going to get this light little tile layer that will probably puzzle you. A bit like Azul, right? Azul's got like, some good bits and bad bits. You get punished a little bit and you're like, oh, I've got to have a plan here, but it's all good. I'm having loads of fun. And I love Azul. Calico ups that by about a factor of eight. And you just sit there going, oh, no! <laughs> what? Never have I cared more about whether a dot or a pinstripe comes out as the next tile <laughs> to be yeah. picked. And the fact that suddenly you've, you've got obsessed with like one quadrant of the board and then you look at how it interlinks to the next one and you go, I can't believe I've just done that. I can't. I, I made that plan 10 minutes ago. That's why I left that bit of the board alone. Then I've worked on this bit and working this bit, I've now screwed up how it interlinks with that next bit. And I've, I've planned this line to score that cat, but I've cost myself 10 points over there. And then the fact that you have to give yourself the chance for the perfect tile to come out 
so that everything falls into place. Yeah, but that's so also true. also you need a bit of flexibility so that, right, but if any turquoise comes out, I can put it there. And then if any pinstripe comes out, I can put it there while I'm waiting for the right tile that I really, really need. And it's all about this. I'm making these huge plans, but they have to be mitigated. I have to weigh out of corners. Otherwise, it's all going to fall apart. And it's really, like, even up many, many plays in, I'm still head in hands looking at my board, starting to cry, going, oh, what am I doing here? What am I doing? And it for such a simple, lightweight game that's so quick to teach. We taught non-gamers, talk about that week away where we played Micro Macro, we taught non-gamers Calico and they loved it. They absolutely loved it. It's just got such mass appeal, but it works for the deepest of gamers. I, Calico's brilliant. Yeah, it's ace. I love it. It's a great game. Matthew, your number one of 2020. My favourite game 2020 is My City. We spoke about it a bunch. It's Rainer Knitsch's family weight legacy uh, kind of game. And I think it's fantastic. I think it's wonderful. It's probably one of the only games I'm ever going to buy twice. So I have two copies of it and not just out of remorse of getting rid of the game. It's absolutely fantastic. I think everyone should try it. It's polyominoes and fun. And I just love it. And I, am I... Am I bias because i love reiner knizia so very much yes i am but yeah my city's fantastic i love he, it he sat he sat at our table playing lost cities last night and every two minutes he was like yeah. he's so good he's so he's good, so good. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing ellie ever remembers about reiner knizia was what we were standing waiting to get into Essen one time we were, i think we we're putting our bags in whatever and he walked up to get in and the security guard stopped him and reiner knizia literally sort of stopped and put his hands out by his side as if like uh <laughs> like I'm Mr. Essen. Like, what, what the hell are you doing? He was trying to find his ID, but he was like, look at the guy like, I don't think he's ever been stopped walking into Essen ever before in his life. It was very funny. And that might make him sound bad. He didn't do it in a rude way. He no, just looked genuinely just so shocked. Generally like, surprised. Yeah, yeah like, are you sure you're stopping by me? Okay, cool. I'll get my, I'll get my idea. Like, it was all in good humour, but Eddie always remembers it whenever Ryder Knitsi comes up. Remember him not getting in Essen? I was on a flight back. Were you on that flight with me when we were on no, the flight? No, you back? were on the flight without me. Go on, go on. Rub it in again. <laughs> yeah, we got the flight back to him. He was very quick off the mark when, when he got back down to London. He shot through. Oh, well, man's from, you know, he knows what he's doing. Right. He well, I'm going to sum up for us here because I've been doing my scoring system and we've got five, only five games that were chosen by two or more of us, which shows there's a lot of, you know, as we know, there's lots of games coming out. So our joint top five of the year chap see what you think about this our number five would be red cathedral yeah okay mm-hmm. number four would be nadavalier yeah okay number three would now be my city yeah seeing as i've played it this time number two would be lost ruins of arnak and then number one would be calico i think i'll be happy with that yeah i think that's a strong lineup of games to be fair quite a uh-huh. quick lineup of games not many longer ones in there yeah i don't think you could go wrong with any of those to be honest. Uh, happy to. Good... I'm happy. Well done. Well done. You didn't mess this up, lads. I was very worried you might. <laughs> we haven't been, hey, you're talking. The messing up happened way after this point last time. So don't get I'm too talking coffee. about the choosing of games, not the saving of recordings. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> right. It's been a pleasure. Sean, thank you very much. Thank you, Ronan and Matthew. Thank you again for giving up your really valuable time. Matthew like works 23 hours and 48 minutes of every day. So for him to find this time for us is really, really good of him. And we're really grateful. I took a phone call during the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And we didn't notice. So... (laughs) 
Thank you for having me on, and I look forward to next year. So just anyone in the world that doesn't know what Matthew, and there's not very many people left in the gaming world who doesn't know what Matthew does, he's on Watch It Played, he's um, on This Game Is Broken, he also does another podcast, to tell him, if you want to tell him about that, Matthew. Oh, it's Death by Monsters, about monsters, mysteries, and the unknown. It's got nothing to do with board games, but it does feature me, Paula Deming and Nick Murphy from the Brothers Murphy. It's a lot of fun, yeah. It is a lot of fun. So is there anything else you want to quickly plug? No, just uh, uh, stay spooky, I guess, is what I say. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you both, guys. And shall I see us out, Ronan? Marvellous. Do it. We are very proud members of the Dice Tower Network. Go there for the Dice Tower Network itself and also the Dice Tower for gaming goodness galore. If you wish to chat to us, our email address is thegamepitpodcast at gmail.com. And we also got our forum, our guild forum on Board Game Geek. We are on social media. We have a Facebook page. We also have a Instagram account. And we are always active on Twitter at Game Pit Podcast. Thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you next time. Music by E. Aaron. Boy, boy, boy. Yo, yo.